Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is a Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone. It's 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Welcome to Carriker and Smallman on a Friday on 101 ESPN with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carriker. It's great to have you with us. And we're so happy because it is Friday and everything's going great in the sports world. Randy, we have Cardinal Baseball returning yes. tonight after you know, uh, quite the scare with the COVID outbreak yep. and uh, your team was stuck in a haunted hotel for six days. It happens now and then. You get stuck in a haunted hotel. You know, it happens never, all the time. Never happened to me, but uh, maybe it's a motivation <laughs> for these guys to go out and really cherish their time playing baseball. I can't wait to see them in action tonight versus the Cubs. It's a 7 o'clock start. You can see the game on Fox Sports Midwest later in this show. We're going to talk to Mike Claiborne, one of the Cardinal broadcasters on the Cardinal Radio Network. Joey Vitale will also join us next hour to talk about the Blues, who are now 0-2 in this little round robin, having lost to Colorado, having lost to Vegas last night, 6-4. to And, Michelle, it's one thing to lose a game, mm-hmm. one thing to fall 6-4 to four to the Knights, another all-together to look disinterested and have a lead heading into the third period and blow it for the second game in a row and have the Knights wind up and shoot the puck at you 71 times and conversely, you wind up and shoot the puck at Marc-Andre Fleury, who, by the way, looks like a sieve right now. <laughs> and uh, he faced, he didn't face, but the, the Blues wound up and shot at him 28 times. Overall, the Blues outshot 38-17, but 71 opportunities that the Knights wound up and took shots and 28 for the Blues and a final score of 6-4. to four. And it's not great. Have you gotten on the panic bus yet? Of course. You have. Well, here's the thing. The Blues are 26-0-3. We know the identity of this team. It's been this way since Ken Hitchcock was the coach. It's get the lead, protect the lead. And that's what the Blues have done perfectly this year. 26-0-3 with a lead after the second period during the regular season. Now you get into this round robin, have a lead against Colorado heading into the third, blow it, have a lead against Vegas heading into the third, blow it. And last night, it wasn't just blowing a lead, but it was just getting completely whooped. I mean, they got told there was not a phase of the game where the Blues were even close to as good as Vegas. When we had this conversation yesterday about what do you need to see out of the Blues to rush your head easy tomorrow night, to sleep easy, win or lose. Score goals! We said score goals and come out to a fast start. And they do both of those things and you still 
do not feel great about this team. You do not feel great about what you saw last night out of the Blues. However, Randy, I'm not on the panic bus. I'm standing on the sidewalk and I'm waving at you as you drive down Olive okay. Boulevard because we are talking about practice. These are still games where the Blues need to find their game. And there's so many things that were said about this team and about this Ron Robin heading into this. And I'm going to maintain my feelings about what we said earlier. This is an opportunity for them to find their game, for them to get their feet wet. You're talking about a game last night where you don't have Robert Thomas. You don't have Vladimir Tarasenko. Ivan Barbashev is out of the lineup. And while there's certainly things that they need to improve, we we said that we didn't care about seeding heading into this. And hopefully they come out Sunday night and we see them put it all together and find their game because time is running out. And yes, I'm trying to be positive here. But... I still think that we shouldn't panic just yet. There is cause for concern, yes, but let's not panic just yet. Okay, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I sure hope they knew what they were doing when they said these games didn't matter. That, oh yeah, it doesn't matter where we're seated because they look like crap. They, (laughs) they, They do not like, look, I mean, have you seen anything aside from maybe the middle of the second period to the middle of the third period against the avalanche, anything that makes it, you look at them, if, if you just remove the jerseys from all the teams and they're all just wearing black versus white, anything that makes you say, wow, that's a really good hockey team. Or more importantly, wow, that's blue, that's a blues hockey yeah. team, even without the sweater. Yeah. It just does They don't look like they have found their game. And Jordan Bennington, he has come out sharp. He looked outstanding yeah. in that first period. But just like Ryan O'Reilly was saying after the first game, they've got to give him some help. Right. Coach Craig Ruby, what, 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 what happened? <laughs> well, I mean, they were just better all game, to be honest with you. But, you know, we had the lead in a third. And, I mean, again, they they never changed their game much. It came at us, and we didn't we didn't respond very well. That's, that's the bottom line. They're better than us all game. And part of this, and this is why I go back to, I hope they knew what they were doing when they said to everybody that would listen, the media, the players, hey, this doesn't matter. And now you get to the middle of these three games that don't matter. And what's Craig Bruby saying? You know, we had the puck in the offensive zone and they went and took it from us. That's basically what it boiled down to. Um, you know, you have to compete hard with it. Uh, if you want to keep it, you got to have people around it. They outnumbered us at times. They, they were more hungry than we were. And so... When, when, when you play like that and the other team's more hungry, they're going to take the puck from you. That's what they did. Well, why should you be hungry, Michelle, if the game doesn't matter? Yeah. Because, well, maybe this will be a wake-up call. The first game, you could always end it saying, wow, that was a controversial call to end yep. the game. You know, you can always rationalize it in their head, even though that's not typical of this Blues team. But this has got to be a wake-up call for them to say, hey, we I know we came into this saying we didn't care about seeding and we didn't care necessarily too much about these games or we weren't going to let it color the way that we view ourselves as, the, as this hockey team. But now you're looking at a situation where you've lost two games, you have a game on Sunday, and you need to find your game so that you can feel good and, oh, I don't know, have some momentum going into yeah, the real that'd deal. Be good. Yeah, and, and last night the Blues didn't have Ivan Barbashev, who's home, his family, his wife is having their first baby. Tarasenko didn't play, Thomas didn't play, a little load management by Barubi, but that didn't matter last night. If they have those guys in the lineup, the outcome is still going to be the same because, as Barubi said, man for man, the Golden Knights were much more intense and wanted it more than the Blues did. Which facet of their game is the most surprising to you? Because I think for me, it's the it's the defensive output. 
yes, the defensive output, but then just the lack of ability to maintain the puck possession in the offensive zone. That's why they win is because they the other team can't get the puck away from them in the offensive zone. And we just heard Baruby say, had the puck in the offensive zone and we let them take it away from us. And that's no way for this particular club to win hockey games. They just don't have enough skill so that if one time the the puck is in their possession, that's how they get shots. Some teams can get a turnover or take the puck away, and they have enough good players that they can swoop in and score a goal, bing, like that, and all of a sudden you're back in the game. Blues can't play that way. They've got to be firing the puck at the opposition. They've got to have offensive zone possession. Do you think Craig Berube just went in there and had a typical Craig Berube type chat with them that's going to light a fire under them? I think that would probably come before the playoff game whoever that might be against. And Ruby admits, hey, that he knows this team is a Stanley Cup champion, but they aren't nearly looking like a Stanley Cup champion. I think just coming up, coming uh, Sunday with the right attitude, right approach to the game. Obviously, it's going to start next practice. we got to make sure we're we're dialed in there, uh, working together. And then after that, we're, we got to be ready for Sunday. Obviously, Dallas is a good team. They always play us hard. So just making sure we play tight, play our style of hockey. And um, there's obviously no doubt if we do that. And Colton Pareko, once again, saying that they just got to play their game. They got to find their game. Hopefully they know what it looks like after the long layoff, because we haven't seen it since the game against Anaheim on March 11th. And one of the things that we kept telling ourselves is, okay, we need to see a gradual build. If the Blues weren't necessarily coming out, firing on all cylinders versus Colorado, okay, well, let's just take a step forward and then a step forward. And it doesn't seem like that's happening. No, it doesn't. Now, you want some sunshine lollipops? Always, Randy. I was trying to do it here. Calgary won their series over Winnipeg 3-1. to one. I've said from the outset that if, if I could pick one of those eight teams that was playing, Calgary would be the one, and there's a very strong chance that the Blues will face the Flames in the first round. I, th- I think the Flames are the easiest mark of all the teams that are playing in the first round. And by the way, Chicago leads Edmonton two games to one. These are best of five series. Nashville uh, trails Arizona two games to one. Vancouver leads Minnesota two to one. And the Flames, there you go. Flames eliminated the Jets three games to one. So I'm looking at it that way, that if we get to play Calgary, then that would be the team I'd want to play. Okay, let's just continue to build on this. We heard from Colton Pareko, strong game out of him. Oh, yeah, we got that going for. Yeah. So, I think so. Anything else, Randy, that you'd like to throw in the happiness pile? Um, I don't think that... Uh, I'm not even going to say I don't think that Jordan Biddington was bad. I think Jordan Biddington was good. I think he was good, too. I yeah. think given the circumstances. Yeah. So Some of those saves he made last night were unreal. Yeah. So, I'll throw that into the, the yeah. pile of good. Okay. So, we've got... So Troy Brower scored, although we probably won't see him in the playoffs, but he did score. <laughs> Right? That's a positive. Yeah, that's a positive. Yeah. And, they, and hey, trying to think of anything else. They didn't have Tarasenko, <laughs> okay. and they didn't have Thomas. Right. You could argue that their two of their five most impactful forwards weren't on the ice. So hey, they get those guys back. All of a sudden, the the intensity, the 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 well known and overarching intensity of Vladimir Tarasenko permeates throughout the rest of the team. And the, that intensity is back. Maybe? No? Uh, well, did we see that the first game versus Colorado? Not really. Yeah, no. <laughs> but you know what, Randy? This this is all a search operation. They're finding their game, okay? This is a search and rescue mission. Okay. And hopefully they find it versus Dallas. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully it's 
It's still search and rescue and not just search. Or rescue. (laughs) Well, see, when they're having a search and rescue, that means they think the thing is still alive. Right, but if it's a rescue, sometimes it's, hey, we found something. It's not moving over here. Yeah, right. Let's let's get the (laughs) squad in here and get it out. rescue this. Call the morgue. Sunday, you have the blues and uh, stars, and we still don't have the game time for that. We'll have that perhaps by the end of this show here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, though, Cardinal baseball tonight at the ballpark against the Cubs. You can see it on FS Midwest. What should we expect from this ball club? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Cards and Cubs open a three-game series tonight at Bush Stadium. You can see it on FS Midwest. And yesterday, Michelle, the Cardinals got word from Major League Baseball that in the final 52 days of this season, they'll play 55 games, including 28 games in the last 24 days of the season. We said it was going to be a sprint, and oh boy, is it going to be a sprint. Yeah, and uh, they will be exhausted once they get to the end of the regular season. Manager Mike Schilt yesterday talking about this remaining schedule. I think the more we play baseball, the better. You know, that's what we're here for, and we look forward to the opportunity to play. There's, there's no doubt about that, and this group will welcome it with open arms. Well, thank goodness that uh, they have the seven-inning doubleheader rather than the nine-inning doubleheader. And I kind of like the extra inning rule now a little bit more than I did before. You do. And there's so many weird factors that came into play this season anyway. But now you really have to think about, you know, different matchups. And you have to think about resting certain guys because the toll that this is going to take on their body is going to be unlike anything that they've dealt with in their careers. So as they start this return of after a nine-day layoff because of the COVID-19 infection of the club, Michelle, you will be excited tonight if the Cardinals blank. Well, I'm just excited to see them play first and foremost for them to get out of quarantine in a haunted hotel in Milwaukee. But I I was thinking about this last night, Randy. I really am struggling with where to place my expectations for this team. I really am because this is, I don't want to disrespect them as professionals and for what we know that they are potentially capable of, but I don't know what this is going to be like without having Yadier Molina and Paul DeYoung and Carlos Martinez removed from the equation in the rotation. I don't know what it's going to be like for these guys physically after not having thrown and or seen live pitching for a week. I mean, I know that they've been working out, but it's totally different. And you're facing a red hot Cubs team who's your rival who's coming in here. And so it's it's hard to kind of get a handle on what to expect out of teams anyway in this setup because it's so different, but especially tonight with the, with the Cardinals mm-hmm. coming out of the situation that they've dealt with. I'm just going to be happy that the Cardinals can field a team with nine players, right? right? That That's what I'm happy about, too. I have zero expectations of seeing great baseball, of seeing victories. Daniel Ponce de Leon will start for the Cardinals, John Lester for the Cubs. I think it's unreasonable for us to expect this team to be good. And, well, I I, I shouldn't put it that way. They, it's unreasonable of us to expect them to be crisp, to play typical Cardinal baseball. Mm-hmm. They're still really good players on this team, and there's all-star quality. And when they're playing... As a conditioned unit, they are good. 
the problem is, is there's no way you can be a conditioned unit after spending nine days off in a hotel room. No, there's absolutely no way. And even though they have great leadership on the team with Mike Schilt and the veteran guys that are going to be in that clubhouse, it's going to be an adjustment. The, it's kind of like what we talked about with the Blues. The Cardinals are going to go out, have to go out there and get their feet wet and find their game again. And, oh, by the way, you're doing that versus the Cubs, so enjoy it. <laughs> and not only that, but a little different look than we might have expected to open up the weekend. We are going to go ahead and pitch and start Ponce tomorrow because we feel like he's the closest guy to have received action. And it was a decision we were weighing going back and forth. Um, you know, everything is, you know, fine with Jack. We just want to be more um, sure that he's going to get two sides in before getting him into competition again with him having – really basically the longest layoff of anybody. So we'll have Ponce start tomorrow, freshest guy, Wayno, um, and then good chance Jack is on Sunday or Monday, and Dak will be in the other one, and then KK will be on Tuesday. All right, so you've got Wainwright tomorrow. Presumably it will be Flaherty. He had a brief side session Wednesday at the ballpark and felt fine, uh, but the team decided that jumping from that brief outing to starting today was an unwise move because you want to protect Jack Flaherty as much as possible. Of course, he's a precious resource. Yeah. You, you need to, especially when you're coming into this and you don't have expectations of necessarily winning the game. I'm sure they do, but as an organization, you have to protect Jack Flaherty. Yeah, that's got to make Ponce de Leon just feel great, by <laughs> the way. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're him and you're saying, hey, this is about freshness, you're the guy who had the ball most recently, so we think from a physical standpoint, you're the one that's yeah. ready to go. I wouldn't take it as a slight. Right, and uh, as Schilt mentioned, Flaherty, Uh, And then uh, Hudson and KK will round out the starting rotation. By the way, this... I hearken back to 1987. Joe McGrain was Jack Flaherty. He was the the Cardinal rookie. He was the hot shot, and they loved him. He actually wound up starting Game 7 of the World Series for the Cardinals. There's a game in New York against the Mets, chief rival, and it was pouring rain, and Doug Harvey wouldn't stop the game, and Whitey wanted him to stop the game because he didn't want Joe McGrain to get hurt. Finally, he decides Harvey's not going to stop the game. So... He goes out and takes Joe out of the game and puts Lee Tunnel in, and then tells us all afterwards, <laughs> "Yeah, we just uh, we, we didn't want Joe to get hurt. We don't want to mess around with his health." But how do you feel if you're Lee Tunnel? He gets put into the game. You don't want Joe to get hurt, but this other guy, we have no problem with pitching him. I'm thinking I'll I'll go out there and be the fall guy for the team if need be. I'm trying to win too. I want to win too. If it if it takes me going out there to protect Joe, I will do it. Yeah, so that's what the Cardinals are going to do is protect Jack Flaherty, and that's great. By the way, in your lifetime of teams that you've hated, where did those Mets teams, those Pond Scum Mets teams rank? Baseball-wise? Yeah, baseball-wise. They were number one. Number one overall? Oh, yeah, I hated them all. Hated Howard Johnson, hated Wally Backman, hated Gary Carter, hated Hernandez at the time. Actually, two guys that, when I got to know them, wound up being really nice guys. And unfortunately, they were just addicted to drugs. Daryl Strawberry and Dwight Gooden wound up being really good people. Mm. But some of them were not really good people. And uh, Wally Backman, Dykstra, we've seen that they are not good people. The Hojo, uh, they were they were an extremely hateable, arrogant group. And they were from New York. Yeah. But you hated them more than the Dodger stuff with, oh, the, yeah. with the Mickey Mouse, with the Reds, the stuff the Cardinals dealt with with the Reds no or the Cubs. No doubt, because wow. that lasted for 162 games. It did not ebb. You played the the Mets in the opener, and it was 162 games of pure hatred. 
And when the Cardinals were ahead of them by 10 games at the All-Star break in 1987, you wanted to beat them by 20. And those were the most exhilarating victories and the most crushing defeats. There's no doubt about it. And as we head into this weekend series with the Cubs, don't you miss that? Don't you miss having a team that you hate that much, especially with the Cardinals, because they always were the team with the target on their back? And as somebody who has really come to embrace the wild card, and I don't mind having the expanded playoffs, but one of the cool things about that, because sports is about emotion, was that you played 162 games and somebody wasn't making the playoffs. You were the two best teams in the league, and it was between the Cardinals and the Mets. Who, who, Which of those teams was the best in the league? The other team was going to be second best, and they weren't making the playoffs. So that was pretty awesome, especially the way they rumbled down the stretch in 85 and 87 because they were such taut pennant races, and every single pitch was just you, you were biting your nails. There was no way that you could be comfortable when playing the Mets down the stretch in late August, September of 85 or 87. It was unbelievable. That's the best feeling yep. is when you feel simultaneously like you're going to die and that you've never been more alive watching a sporting event right. in your entire life. And it reminds me of that. But I, I wonder how the Cubs are coming into this game. They're probably completely dismissing this team, probably mm-hmm. laughing at them. I'm sure in Chicago, the rhetoric surrounding this series is, oh, the Cardinals, too bad for you. And, you know, maybe maybe they're ripe for a little bit of an upset. Well, in sports at times, teams can circle the wagons. And being able to circle the wagons and overcome the losses of key players, you can get a couple of days out of that, a week maybe, but the the thing is you can't do it for the long term. I don't think you can do it for 55 games, but can you do it for three? Yeah, you can. And maybe you do it for three and then you get a little confidence boost. You start to get some of these key players back and who knows? Yeah. I like the positivity. It's Friday, Randy. I'm trying to go into the weekend in a good mood. The Blues lost last night. Who knows we're going to get out of the Cardinals. I'm just trying to be positive on a Friday. We can come up with positives. Don't Look at the Marlins, though. I mean, it's not outside. And I know that's coming. Baltimore. I know they played the Orioles. I know it's not the Cubs. I'm just saying. But the Cardinals, what they have intact out of the COVID outbreak is way better than what the Marlins had, regardless of your yes, opponent. It yes, it is. The one team in baseball that might be worse than the Marlins is the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles. <laughs> I wish we were playing the Orioles. Me too. So oh, we, they, sweet. whatever. It's If you win tonight, fellas, it's we. <laughs> wow. You know that they're going to put on their uniforms and be like, hey, hey we got, we cannot disappoint Randy Carriker. Yep. We do not want to get out of the circle of trust. Yeah. Mo, Schulte, players, I'm behind you, win or tie. <laughs> <laughs> if you lose, I don't know you. At the end of the day. That's right. Coming up next here on 101 ESPN, the Blues have a lot of issues to deal with going forward. What are they going to have to do to succeed against Dallas? And then what's the playoffs start? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. This is a fitting song as we head into a discussion about Blues hockey. We played this yesterday, and someone texted into the show, 65780, excuse me, saying it sounded like we were going to tell a ghost story. That's what it reminded me of. It reminded me of Halloween. And we did see something scary last night, Randy. Yeah, it was not pretty at all. (laughs) And uh, those nights, they just won't die. You try to kill them. You you get ahead four to two, and 
Then they come back and they, you're ahead of them two nothing. Then you're ahead of them four to two, and they just won't die. It, you know, you score two goals in less than a minute. You think, hey, we got it. Or yeah. right now, and then no. Yeah. Sleep with one eye open. We're watching right now, and it's 4 4, and we're thinking, okay, we'll just get the next goal. Actually, I kind of wasn't thinking that, but we're hoping it right now again. But if, if, even if they would have won the game last night, you probably would have gone to sleep with that anxious feeling. Right. Because there was a lot that you saw out of this team that didn't make you feel great. And one of the hallmarks of Blues hockey is their intensity. And Coach Craig Berube says, hey, we need to bring that intensity level up. Well, it's just a choice. Uh, that our team, you know, like they, they, they know that. And, um, and we talked after the game that the intensity level has to come way up. The compete has to come way up, um, you know. And if you want to just keep chasing the game, then we'll keep playing the way we want. But if we want to control the game, then we got to compete a lot harder and do a lot, lot, lot more things with the puck. The lead there is that before meeting with the media, Craig Berube had talked to the players. Because he, he doesn't often go in and talk to the players right after the game. But I think last night warranted it, don't you? I agree 100%. And everybody that's watching however many miles away we are, let's say that we're a couple thousand miles away, 1,500 miles away from Edmonton, we can Google that. But we could see that the intensity level wasn't there, that the Blues need to play harder. They need to play with more focus. And this is a team that can't let the other team set the tempo. The Blues are capable against any team in the league of setting the tempo. And last night, and against Colorado, the tempo was set by the opposition. And you you can't win. It doesn't matter how good you are. If you're the mid-80s Edmonton Oilers, if you aren't taking the the game to the opposition, you can't win. And you mentioned this earlier in the show. It's interesting how the tone and kind of the messaging changed a little bit from Craig Bruby talking about intensity and how they need to find their game and they need to, I'm paraphrasing here, but taking taking it a little bit more seriously mm-hmm. and ratcheting it up when a lot of the conversations surrounding this round, Robin, were, hey, we're not really that concerned about seeding. We're just trying to find our game. It's not necessarily like these games matter. But now all of a sudden you're starting to think, okay, well, maybe we should have put a little bit more stock yep. into this round, Robin, and into the seeding. And maybe we should have said, hey, these games matter just as much as the regular games because we need to get to that intensity level so we can ride that momentum into games that actually have an elimination at the end. You need to prepare. This is not like a regular uh, preseason because when you go into the normal regular season, the intensity isn't what it is. Well, now the teams that you're going to play, first of all, clearly the intensity level of Colorado and the, uh, the the Golden Knights exceeded the intensity level of the Blues. And now you're going to get a team that's played three really intense, at least three really intense games in the next round. Does that make you nervous? Yes, because in the playoffs, attitude is a huge part of success. And so is momentum. Yeah, and the Blues don't have either, and the opposition will, by the way, 1,786 miles from St. Louis to Edmonton. 28 hours. What's the longest road trip you've ever done? Probably... Uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. How many hours is that? It was, uh, I think the drive wound up being like 20. We did it over two days. I drove home from Connecticut when I moved home. That was about 15 or 16 hours. Did you go straight through or did you take a couple days? No, we we took a break in the middle. It was brutal. What's your... Okay, so this is a, this is what was interesting. My friends from the East Coast would always laugh and say Midwesterners are built to drive, that we could peel off five to eight hours and it's no big deal. And I, and I said, yeah, I mean, we're used to driving up to Chicago. No, no problem at all. But what's the point where you're like, mm, that, that amount is too much for me to drive? If I'm taking a trip, what's uh, too yeah. much? I would say that if I had to go 
and not that we've done this, if I had to go west of Denver or east of D.C.? West of Denver or east of D.C.? Okay. So it's not an hour amount. It's not that you're going to pull up your Google Maps and say, oh, 12 hours pass. If I get on the road at 8 a.m., I could... I can get to both of those spots, right? By the, I can drive straight through. I, I can pull that off. But if I have to, I, I'm not going to do a 24-hour. I'm, I'm not doing Edmonton. Yeah, we're not going to Edmonton. Forget no. it. For me, it's anything over eight. It's just, it? it just seems too daunting to me. I'll fly. I mean, yeah. now now life is different, so maybe right. not, but prior to this. But I used to drive into New York City. It would be two and a half, three hours, and my friends would be like, I cannot believe you would be in the car that long. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like three hours. Yeah. I have no trouble driving, for example, last year did Athens, Georgia, or Tuscaloosa, or, or Baton Rouge. And by the way, for the Baton Rouge one, we did break at night, but I have no trouble doing those. Okay, but that Baton Rouge drive, what is it, like nine hours and change? Yeah. But that stretch where there is nothing and you are just right. in the dead heart of Louisiana. Yeah. That you is, better have a full tank of gas. You better have a full tank of gas and not expect to have some cell service and hope that you don't get a flat tire. Yeah. Fortunately, the Blues were able to fly to Edmonton and uh, maybe that's maybe they needed to drive so that they could not be so pampered. Because for some <laughs> reason, Coach, Coach Ruby, they aren't playing up to their potential. Coming into this into this uh, playoffs here, um, this round robin, I don't, you know, I'm not sure that you know our guys, uh, you know, have really brought the intensity to the first two games that's needed. I think in the Colorado game there was there was good spurts of it at times, but um, you know, right now um, the these two games, I think that uh, the other teams have been more competitive and more hungry than we have. Um, you know, whether we thought it was going to be easy coming in here, you know, in these round robin games, but, but, you know, for me, they're, you know, they're competitive, they're pretty competitive teams. We both, we played here, both, both of them. And, uh, our compete level has to come way up. You literally told your players, at least your Poho did, Hey, we don't care where we're seated. It doesn't matter. So if you're going to tell people that it doesn't matter, then why would you expect them to play like it matters? Are you confident that this team, though, can flip the switch? No. You're not? No. See, I am, and that's where we differ. Because I know that the circumstances are completely different with this team. But I refuse to believe that despite the layoff and despite the lack of home ice and the lack of fans and all of the weirdness surrounding this this Stanley Cup playoffs, that this Blues team is that inherently different in their DNA. If there was a time for them to flip the switch, it was last night. And last night they looked to me like a team that figured they could just throw the pucks out on the ice and they were going to win the game. And But maybe that was a reality check that you can't do that. Like I said, when we look at the Colorado game, you can argue, okay, we should have won that game. Mm-hmm. Difficult call at the end. And maybe this game was the wake-up game. And I hope that they come out versus Dallas and we see an ignited Blues team. But maybe they needed something to spark them. Maybe they, maybe they do because you're the defending Stanley Cup champions. You're the best team in the West. And I think even in the back of your mind, that's something that you that you rest on at times that you just think, hey, yeah, we can turn it on. And now they realize we're going to have to dig deep to get to get this done. There isn't a stat for this, but in the exhibition game against Chicago, against Colorado, against Vegas, for a puck possession team like the Blues, every time that there was a 50-50 puck, not every time, but most of the time when there was a 50-50 puck, the opposition got it. And the Blues win by battling. And that's the biggest issue here. They just haven't battled. They, battled. they haven't 
played the kind of game that allowed them to win the Stanley Cup. And I, uh, it, it looks like the the Blues are maybe a 33 and a third RPM record for old school people, and the other team's playing at 45. They're just playing with more RPMs. So they they got to play faster. Well, let's crank it up then. Yeah, yeah. If Sunday you can figure it out. What do you think they're going to do in the interim? What do you think those conversations are going to? Oh, be Oh, they'll like? have a uh, pretty intense practice today. I would think. I would think so too. And then tomorrow, a lot of work on fundamentals. And then one of the things Colton Breka wants to do on Sunday is get that defense straightened out. Yeah, uh, Colton. Uh defensively what did you see there it seemed like you had a lot of trouble with uh, as a, as a unit with with exits and and just uh maybe keeping them away from the net yeah i think it's just uh obviously coming out of d zone is is a five man effort six man including the goalie so um just making sure we're all kind of close making it making it easy on each other just the easy things uh, if it goes up the wall, making sure we're talking through the middle, making sure you you let guys know when when uh, guys are on you and just little things like that but um no doubt that uh we're going to make make it better, and uh, it's going to be good. It better be good. You've got to play faster, though. It's You can do all those little fundamental things, but if you're skating like you're in molasses or mud, it's not going to do you any good. Even though it's technically not a must-win? Must-win? Sunday? No, but must-play well. So, and it would be no fun to go 0-3 in the round robin and start off without a victory against whoever they're going to play, but... It is what it is. I mean, the Blues were in last place. It's become last... a famous phrase lately, hasn't it? What it is, what it is. Yeah, they were in last place. They were in last place last year, and they had to dig out of that hole. Maybe they're just trying to set the stage again. Okay, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I hope this is their attitude and their demeanor and the way they're going about it. We'll see. But you know what? If they don't flip the switch... I'll be angry, and I'll also be correct. I will hate 2020 that much Even more. more. Even more, which I didn't think was possible, but I definitely will. Coming up on uh, Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780 for take it or leave it. Tioli is coming your way next. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We do welcome your text to the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Hope you are ready for a great weekend. It'll be reasonable weather temperature-wise in St. Louis. So I think I might go out and ride my bike or something. The weather the past few days has been off the charts amazing. It's been fantastic. August in St. Louis. But does that make you, I know we're dealing with inclement weather across the country, but does that make you worried that we're getting fall and winter earlier? Yeah, but I accept it. I accept global warming. It's part of what we do. I've accepted it, too. So, But it, it makes for better weather sometimes in August. Because what global warming does, if you aren't aware of it, if you just think that, like I know that there are some people that are really in big places that think that global warming means that the, the whole world is just getting warmer. What happens with global warming is that the ice caps are being melted because our our earth is getting warmer and warmer and warmer all the time and as that water as that ice melts it starts to cool off some places that wouldn't ordinarily be cool and causes real problems as if we don't have enough to worry about randy i read a very comprehensive piece that i can't remember if it was the new york times or the new york times magazine put out about how global warming over the next 30 years is going to get so intense that it's going to displace so many people because uh, crops and agriculture are going to be disrupted and essentially eradicated and a lot of southern 
you know, in a lot of countries in the Southern Hemisphere. And um, that if certain countries don't adjust to the influx in population that they're going to see, there's going to be, quote, uh, mass human devastation. Yeah, there is. And I thought, oh, great. Or mass human suffering. I was like, wow, as if we haven't dealt with enough. I shouldn't have read this in 2020 at 1 a.m. And I don't worry about it because I'm old and the toothpaste is out of the tube. And what we've done to our environment, (laughs) we can't change in my lifetime. That's so funny you thought that because I thought the same thing. Like, well, I'll be dead anyway. Yeah, that's that's the way I'm looking at it. Whatever, I'll be dead. (laughs) By the time it gets really bad, I'll be dead. Speaking about things being over, Michelle, take it or leave it. The National League Central race has been settled with the Cubs at 10 and 3, Brewers at 5 and 5, Cards, Reds, Pit Pirates all under 500. Take it or leave it. The Cubs are your National League Central champs for 2020. Take it. And I don't even think it's a it's a major jump to conclusion. It sounds crazy because we still haven't adjusted to the speed and mm-hmm. brevity of this season. But I think at this point, what, two full weeks in, you pretty much know who these teams are, right? You do. And for that reason, take it or leave it, Nolan Arenado never winds up becoming a Cardinal. I'm taking it. I will too. Because not only are the Rockies 9-3 and three and ahead of the Dodgers in first place in their division, but if they're successful, even if they're one of the top eight and they make the playoffs this year, then they'll say, well, we, no, we don't want to trade that guy because we were in the playoffs and we want to have him for next year. And every day they don't trade him, Gorman and the, the Cardinal first round pick, Jordan Walker, uh, and Montero, who might not wind up being a third baseman, uh, and Nunez, those four Cardinal third base prospects who are all in their top 15 prospects, all of those guys are a day closer to the major leagues. So you could have a potential season in which the Cardinals don't win the division, their team gets disrupted because of a COVID, COVID outbreak, and you don't even have uh, that hope of a Nolan Arenado yeah. trade for fans to cling to moving into the next season. And the Cubs win the division. <laughs> And the Cubs win the division. Yeah. Wow, things are just looking up. Yeah, this lovely. segment has taken such an aggressive turn uh, dark, left. Tar- dark turn. We are really dark. Okay, Randy, take it or leave it. The Cardinals win at least one game versus the Cubs in this series. Yeah, I'll take it. There you go. Trending yeah, up. One out of three. I Okay. Uh, see, now you're thinking positive, and I like this. So I don't know if it's going to be tonight's game coming right back from COVID-19, but hey, You've got Lester and Ponce de Leon. Okay, you aren't going to win tonight. Uh, but maybe tomorrow is your game. You've got uh, Alec Mills versus Wainwright. Alec Mills pitching really well, but you never know. Wayno might, he might fire a shutout. Wouldn't surprise me at all. So, yeah, I'm going to say that they're going to win. And then you got Flaherty going on Sunday. So I'm going to say they do win-win. There you go. Uh, Scotty, what do you got for us? Uh, so do you guys want an update on this global uh, warming incident yeah, sure. from the text line since we got the best texters uh, in all of America? Smartest people in America. Yep. From the 314, we are in the next session of global cooling. The, this pattern has gone on for billions of years. Population has no effect on these things. The planet is only 2% built up. Since that is the truth, no lack of food, shelter, resources, or temperament in the planet will ever exist. Uh, again, take it or leave it. You're trusting the source. Uh, well, yeah, I'm sure it's a scientist. So yeah, I'll, I'll take it. A and B. Still glad that I'm not going to be around to see it. Hmm. Because I read a pretty comprehensive article about how we're seeing a lot of communities already up and move because they cannot produce the crops needed to sustain themselves. Uh, well, Michelle, you took a science class, so I'm taking it from you too. <laughs> 
<laughs> and again, I am not a scientist. I don't know. This is just something I read. But let's not take any more theories <laughs> into account here. <laughs> We've got a lot of negative take it or leave it today. It's Friday, 65780, air service, comfort, text line. Text some positive take it or leave it. Unlike this one from the 636. Take it or leave it. The Blackhawks will advance further than the Blues. Leave it. Yeah, you got to leave that. Maybe the same, but we'll leave it. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of thinking the same thing. Another <laughs> negative one from the 314. Take it or leave it. If you wish all sports except for golf have been canceled for 2020 like me because the Cardinals aren't winning and the Blues aren't winning, I don't care. I'm going to leave that. Oh, I'm going to leave that too. I like having games and being able to watch. Yeah. You think about yesterday and the fact that we knew we were going to have Blues hockey last night. Yeah. Even though we went to bed feeling terrible about what we saw. I missed that feeling more than I can tell you. I would take 10 out of 10 times being upset over the outcome of a game than having the absence of a game. And actually, this this is a town where we love the blues, but for the most part, not across the board, but for the most part, it's a blues town and not an NHL town. There's a lot of people when the blue season ends, they weren't they aren't going to watch the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. This is a great year to watch the rest of the playoffs, even if the Blues do get knocked out, which we hope they don't. And the NBA playoffs, too, just because they're sports and we missed them. Heck, I understood what I missed for four and a half months. I, I want to see that competition. I crave it. Do you guys remember during quarantine, like when you couldn't watch sports and you had you had these shows that you just had to watch? You remember? I'm in the spot right now where I have shows I want to watch and I can't watch them because I'm watching so much sports. That's a good thing, right? See, I'm the complete opposite. I I would be cool if I never had to watch a show again in my entire life and only could watch sports. Really? Oh my gosh! I was like, should I delete my Netflix subscription because I'm just not into it? I, I still need to watch The Natural. I'm just not into content anymore. I'm only into sports. And you I'm are so over it. A, you you love content. Who doesn't love content? Randy? Well, but I mean, you've been like uh, that uh, the, the show uh, about the uh, the meth dealers that you love so Breaking much. Breaking Bad. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't wait for that to come on. Yeah, that was different, though. That was back when you had the balance. You had right, your right. sports, and then you you had an escape from sports with a show like Breaking Bad that you would want to binge. I mean this sincerely. I will never, and I mean never, take sports for granted again. Oh, no, we won't. Ever. Here's another one. When you talk about content, nobody was as giddy or gleeful Heading up to the OJ specials during the OJ documentary as Michelle. You loved that. You were the uh, on your show on at ESPN Radio, you were your OJ insider, right? Yeah, we did an entire podcast called Hoops and OJ, yeah. where it was myself, <laughs> Izzy Gutierrez, Amin El Hassan, and George Sedano, and our friend Marvin Prince, who ran the board. And they would talk about basketball, and then we would break down the OJ special. And If you haven't seen the documentary, the 30 for 30 that ESPN did on the O.J. Simpson um, case and trial, it is unbelievable. They won an Oscar for it. It's a masterpiece. It's great. And to be able to get an advanced copy of that and be able to break it down was one of the coolest things I've ever done. And think about 25 years after that case, how yesterday we were trying to find something that matched. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. It, It was such an iconic case that really changed society dramatically. It was a cultural phenomenon. It was. And watching that documentary, because, you know, I was young at the time, like really young. I remember, though, I remember being in grade school and having teachers roll out TVs into the cafeteria so they could sit and watch what was happening. Um, But the way that we 
kind of intern out and I found her. How was it? I think we got a call on the course, uh, called somebody, and it was breathtaking because everybody was so stunned by the verdict. Wow. It was amazing. Got a happier one, Scotty? Uh, yeah. Uh, Somewhat? Some, anything's happier than what, you know, what OJ allegedly did. How about this oh, one, Randy? Yeah. Take, was... take it or leave it. The OJ special was cutting edge. I'll, I'll have to take that. I yeah. Think, I think it's a no-brainer that you take that one. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, take it or leave it. It seems like a lot of the Blues fans are uh, starting to move on to next season already, which is crazy. But this one's from the 314. Take it or leave it. Alex Petrangelo is a blue next season. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it, too, even though I want to take it. Yeah. And after much study, I believe the team to be a feared of in terms of taking him are the Florida Panthers. I know you keep circling yep. back to them because of their situation, because of Joel Quinville. It, it, all, it, it all works together. It really does. I don't know. Cap space, so cash, weird. an owner that wants to spend. Florida. A lot of good stuff. A lot of reasons if they would make the offer and the, the need to have see one thing about Colorado they have the cap space and they have the cash but although they will have to pay their young players but they've got two young right hand well not young but two right handed defensemen and McCarr is going to be a star so if you have McCarr and Eric Johnson I don't think that you need uh, another right handed defenseman like but you, you don't need to invest that much money in what it'll take to get Petro from the 636, take it or leave it. The best center fielder the Cardinals have had in the last eight years was Randall Grichuk. Hmm. Interesting. So this would be going back to 2012. I, I can't say that. I, I would take the 2018 Bader, I think. Tommy Pham. No, it was Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham. I'm like, I know we're missing somebody. Yeah, yeah it was definitely Tommy Pham. When you think of all the names that have been outfield carousel for the Cardinals over the past, what, let's say yep. 10 years? Hey, here's the thing. I, Patrick and I were thinking about this last night. First of all, if you had, and I, I was talking to another friend about this yesterday, if your outfield right now was Fam, Mercado, or Gritchick, and Piscotti, all three would be better than what you got. Somebody checks in. What about John Jay? John Jay. Uh, I don't. I don't think Yanye was as good as Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham was Cardinal MVP in 2016. He was awesome. So no, he was the best guy they've had in the last eight years. But then, check out your National League stats for Donovan Solano, who spent like his first eight years in the Cardinal system, and he's with the Giants and he's leading the league in RBIs and he's hitting like he he's in well over 400. He's in leading the league in hitting at about 450. And then you've got a guy like Aledmus Diaz, and uh, you, you've got. A guy like Carson Kelly. You could put together a really nice-looking team, major league team of former Cardinals right now that are playing. Of all the outfielders that they've had and parted ways with, which is the one that you think they would potentially want back? Do you think it's Tommy Pham? No, because he's beyond... If they could get the guy back today? No, just at the time. They moved him on in favor of another player, but if they could go back retroactively and say, maybe we should have stuck with him instead. I think the guy that they'd probably like to have back if they could do it over, but the circumstances wouldn't have allowed it, was Piscotti. That's exactly who I was thinking. But Tommy Pham had that. Tommy Pham would, if you put plugged him into their lineup today, would be their best outfielder. And I understood at the time why they were moving on from Tommy Pham. Yeah. 
Um, I, I was always a fan of his, and I was so sad to see him go. But I remember there were injury questions. They had other guys in the runway. Remember his vision? There was a yeah. lot of things that people were saying, we don't really know how his vision's going to progress moving forward. Is that a risk that we want to take? A lot of people thought maybe some of the comments that he made angered the Cardinals front office. But even taking that aside, just from a baseball player standpoint, I understood why some questions would exist, even though I wish he would have stayed. I'm the best blanker blanker you got. Don't you wish we had a little bit of that spice, though? I sure do. Yeah, that was fun. It was good. And, uh, hey, well, at least now both guys they traded him for are on the, well, Justin Williams isn't here, but the two pitchers, Roel Ramirez and Cabrera, are here. So hopefully they'll do something. Thank you, Scotty. You got it. And thanks for your texts for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Next up, the Cardinals have their schedule for the rest of the season, and it is daunting. That's next with your fresh take on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals have 55 games left. And the first of those 55 after their quarantine for COVID-19 is tonight, 7 o'clock at Bush Stadium against the Chicago Cubs. Of course, no fans will be on hand, but there will be television. You can see the game tonight on FS Midwest starting at 7 o'clock, 6.30 pregame, and Dan McLaughlin will have the call. And Michelle, you look at what Major League Baseball has done, and they had to do it, Mm -hmm. but... You just look at the Cardinals' schedule now. Next week on your birthday, the Cardinals have a doubleheader, a regular traditional doubleheader, except they're both games are seven innings. On August 13th, they're at Detroit for a pair. Uh, and then when you get to September, they're loaded with doubleheaders. 28 games in the last 24 days of the season, including a, an August 10th doubleheader against the Tigers here, doubleheaders against Milwaukee on the 14th of September and the 16th of September, and then another one at Milwaukee on the 25th of September. So three doubleheaders down the stretch for the Cardinals. That's a lot of baseball, Randy. It is. It'll be fun. It'll be great. It'll be great for us because we're going to have a lot of baseball to consume over the next month and a half, two months. Um, But I wonder how the team is is mentally adjusting to that or even if they can get a grasp of what they're going to have to deal with during that stretch. I know that Mike Schilt and this Cardinals team is going to embrace the challenge. You know, that they're not going to make excuses for it and that they're going to go out there and they're going to grind it out. But I wonder if you even think about it or you just take it day by day. I think that's what you have to do is just take it one day at a time. And hopefully for the Cardinals, when you think about what their starting rotation is right now, hopefully by the time they get to those dates in September, and I wouldn't expect Carlos Martinez to be back by next Thursday. But when you get to those September games, you've got your five starters now. You've still got Gomber. You'd hopefully have Martinez. You've got Jake Woodford. And then you can always do that bullpen game, too. So nine different possibilities to start games for those doubleheaders. And the the big test will be those two out of three days in September. When you have uh, the 14th, 15th, and 16th, you've got a five-game series over the course of three days. Man, that is a lot. That is. Baseball. That is a lot to take in. But, hey, this is this is something that baseball had to do to get these games in. And it's probably not fair for the Cardinals that, that this is what their season is going to have to look like. But it's 2020. Everything is going to be upended at some point, right? Yeah, and I think that for the, the players that actually love playing, that just they just want to get out there and play, 
I think this will be really cool for them to play that. It's like when they were kids during the summer. They'll be playing all the time. And I think they'll think, oh, this is really cool that we get to play as much as we do. And they're going to be so tired, Randy, by the end of the days that there's not even going to be a desire to go out or do anything. Not that they would be allowed to anyway, but they're just going to be focused on the game. Yeah. And you have to think that the players that are already like if Yachty's back, can, can you imagine Yachty not wanting to play in every one of those innings just for the challenge of it? Especially after this break and after he tested positive and is going to have to be away from the team for yeah. this stretch, there's no chance that you're that you're going to tell Yachty that he's not going to play unless right. it's absolutely necessary. Yeah, and, and there are guys I have to believe Flaherty and Wainwright, most notably, that would love to have the opportunity to pitch on three days rest, even though it might not be best for them. And the Cardinals, as Mike Schilt has noted, are very pro- protective of their players. They must love the idea of doing things like that, doing things where they can go above and beyond to compete and to try to help their team win. Think about Yadier Molina right now. I was just thinking about this as we were talking and he has had to have this pause. He can't join the team and they're getting back into action versus your division rival. It's got to, he's got to be going crazy that he can't be out there with his teammates. No doubt about it. Yeah. And it's especially because if he doesn't, if he's asymptomatic and he's not feeling it, right. He feels, come on, I got to get out there and play. Right. And he's just waiting for, for back-to-back negative tests. But I, I don't wonder if, as we talk about Yachty, if the team is feeling the same way. And I know that we're lowering our expectations for what we are anticipating that we might see out of the Cardinals tonight. But I don't know if it's not just kind of a a boom effect where they've been cooped up for so long that they have this pent-up energy and they have kind of a refreshed view on things and they know that everyone's kind of counting them out and they know that they shouldn't take this season for granted. And so they go out this weekend and they, they... look really good. Yeah. I don't know. We don't know. We're going to have to wait and see, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see that. No. Want a doubleheader fun fact? Always. All right. 1982, Cardinals and Phillies are battling down the stretch, and the Cardinals are in good shape. They're up three games on Philadelphia. They go into New York for a five-game series in three days. Doubleheader on uh, September 17th, doubleheader on September 18th, and then a single game on September 19th. What do you think they did, Michelle? I don't know, Randy. Tell me. In those five games, they won the opener 3-2. They won the nightcap of the first doubleheader 7-1. to one. All right. They won the opener of the second doubleheader 2-0. They won the nightcap of the second doubleheader 6-2. Then they won on Sunday 3-1. to one. They went in and swept five games in three days against the Mets and pretty much put Philadelphia away in that division race. Anything is possible. Kevin Garnett voice, Randy. Anything is possible. Yeah, there we go. So that was, that was actually pretty awesome. So... Thank you, uh, Whitey and 82 Cardinals, for providing that memory for me. Now, Randy, were they um, missing key pieces of their team and or were they stuck in a hotel for six days prior? They weren't. Okay, okay. So not really totally applicable, but... No, and uh, they were playing Whitey Ball. But hey, this team could play Whitey Ball. How concerned are you with the offense? Or what we could see out of the offense? Or maybe not see out of the offense? I, I think that against... Here's the thing. The Cardinals for the last couple of years have performed well against bad teams, but not so well against good teams. And that's my concern now is they need really good hitters that can hit really good pitching. And I think they have right now in their lineup, I'll do respect to all of the guys. I think they have one of those guys. That's number 46. Yeah. Otherwise they need an impact bat to hit fourth. They need an impact bat to hit second. They need an impact bat to hit fifth. And maybe Tommy Edmond will wind up being the number two hitter, but you still, you have a three, you need a four, and you need a five, and they don't have them.
And that's why I'm one of the advocates of a trade for Arenado because I like the idea of winning ASAP and he could provide that impact bat. We saw Minnesota, right? Minnesota's five, six, seven hitters would be the Cardinals' three, four, five hitters. Uh, you know who else Randy could have potentially provided that spark? A guy named Dylan Carlson. Yeah. Yep. And eventually he, he's got to be one of your guys. I don't that's all financial. It's that has nothing to do with baseball. Sad but true. It's part of the, part of the deal. As a Cardinal fan, that's what we're dealing with. But the Arenado thing would be financial. You'd be making in a, you're, you have but, an investment either way. But you're we, rolling the dice either way. The thing is with Arenado, you know when you get him, it's defined what his salary is going to be. What you're trying to do with Carlson is suppress his salary for as long as you can. With Arenado, you know what you're getting and you know what you're going to have to pay, and you know essentially what you're going to get out of the player. With Carlson, A, they don't want to start his clock because they don't want to pay him any sooner than they have to. With Arenado, you know when you get him, you're going to have to start paying him that day. And they don't know what Carlson's production is going to be. Sure, but you're making that argument with yourself if you're the team at for the, at the sake of winning, potentially. That's what we don't know. Clearly, if... If they wanted to win and they they thought that Dylan Carlson could help them win, he'd be here right now, right? If winning is paramount and he's one of the best eight that you can put out, one of the best nine that you can put out there every day to help you win, then you have him here. So it's got to be one of two things. Number one, you're looking down the road and you don't want to pay him any sooner than you have to, which I tend to believe is the case. Or number two, you really don't care about winning this year. Or you don't know, if, or you don't believe that you're capable of winning this. Or year. you don't believe, despite what you've told us, that he's that great. Do you think that? No, but that. Yeah, it, I don't either. You've only got several reasons, right? Right. I I just don't think that John Mozeliak would mention his name in the same breath as Albert Pujols and or Oscar Tavares if he didn't think that he would no. live up to that billing. No. That's not something that he would say lightly. But where we are with this franchise, and to be fair, most franchises in baseball. They don't want to pay guys any sooner than they have to. And post-COVID outbreak, I certainly understand that thought process more than ever. Why are you going to start this guy's clock and potentially, you know, alter your financial future with him with a setup and a team that you don't really know what to expect? I get that. But prior to that, those conversations, at least in my mind, were a little different. I, as a fan, I just want to see him put the best eight on the field. And I, I don't know. But if if they believe he is among their best eight and he's not on the field right now, shame on them. You don't think that looking at the lineup that they are filling out, that they wouldn't like to plug him in for somebody? I would think so. Right. Logically. Right. So, so what's the reason? Money, Randy. Okay. That's our fresh take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk some blues hockey with our buddy Joey Vitale. Our Friday visit is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. The great Joe Vitale does join us right now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN, heading into the Blues booth. Good Friday morning, Joey. How are you, sir? Randy, Michelle, doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. I'm doing well. How are you guys this morning? We're okay. <laughs> Man, we've been better, what's Joey. Wrong? Hey, what's wrong? It, it's National Water Balloon today. What's, what's wrong? Okay, but Water Balloon Fight is good. Uh, we're still kind of uh, wallowing because of the Blues performance last night. Yeah, you know what? That that could happen. That could happen. I, I understand. It's early, though, Randy. It's early. Don't, don't let the Blues get you. Yogi Berra once said, it gets late early. 
<laughs> Yogi Bear said a lot of great things. Yeah. You know, I, I actually drive by his house all the time. He's over on the hill. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, because I'm always on the hill going to Favazia's or, or Joe Fazi's, I, I, Canetto's. I, I tell you, the Canetto salad may be the best salad, I think, in all of St. Louis to this day. I mean, it's a classic salad with the provolone and parmesan. So I always get a takeout salad there. And I have to, you know, in the hill, you guys know there's, so many different routes you can take to get to where you need to go. I mean, the, the crisscross grid uh, setup on the hill is amazing, but I always have to do do justice by going down old Yogi Bear Lane. Okay, Joey, so since you're bringing our mood up on a Friday, as you always do, we're talking salads, we're talking, you know, the hill, great Italians here in St. Louis. Convince us, and specifically Randy, why he shouldn't be on the panic bus after last night's Blues loss. You know what, Randy, I'm telling you right now, this is something that uh, I, I, I fully expected. I, I didn't think that this, they were going to come into this this playoff or round-robin series and, and give it everything they got. And I, I don't think you can peak too early. I, I hate using that word and that phrase, peak too early, because what is that? I mean, who really knows? But I, I don't want you thinking that the Blues should be feeling good about their game at this moment. Uh, is it getting a little worrisome? Absolutely. But there's no time to hit the panic button. The reason I look at last night's game as a common anomaly, well, you're losing Robert Thomas. You don't have Vladimir Tarasenko. But how about this one? You don't have Ivan Barbashev. That's the one not a lot of people are talking about. Mm-hmm. We've seen this team without Ivan Barbashev, and, and, and I do believe that he is going to be back for the majority of the first round. He may miss a game here or there, but I think he will be back for the first round. So you get those three players. You insert those three players back in the lineup. I think 5-1-5, five five, it's a completely different outlook. I don't think there's going to be as many penalties in the first round as we saw last night. The penalty kill really hurt them. And the, the other good news, I think, is that Jordan Bennington uh, was the number one star on the St. Louis Blue side for me, even though he let up six goals. And that's just crazy to think. But the saves he made early in that game, your goalie's on. You miss some personnel. You still have a week or so before the first game. I think that this kind of game is going to get the Blues' attention. I think Craig Brewer is really going to galvanize this group. And I think they're going to kind of have a little wake-up call here. Sunday's going to be a better performance, and they're going to be in full stride come next week. Okay, that makes me feel good. So you are of the belief that from an intensity standpoint, they are a team, or Barubi is the coach, they can flip a switch and turn the intensity on? I think, I think they can turn it on. I don't know if they can go from zero to 100. That's why I think that it still needs a, it still needs a ramp up big time on Sunday. I'm not going to sit here and say that if this is how they perform on Sunday, then that's where I get a little bit worrisome because I don't think you can go from one game to the next. But they have one more game. And I think that Dallas, for some reason, Dallas really brings out the best of this team. I'm looking at a healthy Vladimir Tarasenko, a healthy Robert Thomas, and I think that's really going to help this group. And, and quite frankly, I think a little bit of adversity is needed to win a Stanley Cup championship. Why not have it right now? I mean, do it now when it's not really hurting you at all. I mean, this is the wake-up call. The guys are going to show up in the ring today. They're going to have a meeting. They're going to have practice. And it, it, it's going to be pee whack time. I mean, I'm telling you, this coach is going to get after them right now, and he's going to get their attention right now. And I think that for these guys, a little humbling, a little lesson, right now, it ain't going to hurt you. But in a week, two weeks, you don't want to be running through these dry spells in two weeks because then that's going to really come back and bite you. So this is the time to be dealing with this kind of adversity, and this is the time to be dealing with uh, maybe a lack of play, lack of energy, lack of intensity – because now this coach has an opportunity to get your attention before games really matter. So, Joey, we won't talk to you until next Friday, but what if, and let's, this is just a hypothetical, if the Blues don't win versus Dallas, what's your, what's your perception of this team after that game? You know, if they don't win versus Dallas, Michelle, again, i like to see the game improve. Let's say the game improves, but they lose that game. Okay, let's just, and I think that's how it's going to go. 
I think they're going to improve. I think they're going to be better. I think that uh, I think that for better or worse, they're a little bit embarrassed by how things are going. I think they're going to have a good performance on Sunday. But let's say they lose. Let's say they go zero and three. Are we in a bad spot? I don't think so because now look what's going on. Uh, you know, you can get the Calgary Flames, for example, if you yes. fall to that fourth spot right now. Do you like that matchup? I love that matchup. I absolutely love that matchup. Joey, when this I all started, it, when this all started, if you would have given me a team to play, it would have been Calgary. I mean, there you go. And this is and this is why I think people are looking so deep into this thing the wrong way. Yes, the seedings are kind of important, but I mean, not not really. I mean, if the Blues finish in first. They could have the Arizona Coyotes who are in the 11th seed. The Arizona Coyotes scare the hell out of me. I mean, they do. They have great goaltending. They have a Rick Tockett coach that coaches very similar to Craig Berube. And we've had a problem beating those guys the last couple of years, especially. Even when we were really good, we'd have just a down spell against the Arizona Coyotes. There is something about that matchup I do not like. So to answer your question, Michelle, if we go 0-3 and, and our game improves, I'm not worried one bit because in some ways uh, I like that matchup against Calgary, and I think that the Blues could um, – I think they could really uh, benefit from it. Home ice isn't all that big of a deal. Let's say to get past the first round and you face Colorado. You know, it really, the only thing home, home ice right now matters to is, is matchups and getting your last change. But when you have such a good faceoff team like the St. Louis Blues, you know, faceoffs aren't even that much of a problem anyway. So to me, not, not worrisome at all. Joe Vitale with us on 101 ESPN. Okay, Joe, a really important question here. Uh, give me a recommendation for a sandwich on the hill. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So I would go to Adriana's. You guys ever been to Adriana's on the Hill? I haven't been there. Okay. So they have a, a roast beef sandwich that, that's insane. The Adriana is fabulous. They do it with um, this sesame bun, like a sesame Italian bun. It'll blow your socks off. They have the Italian dressing. They use raw red onions. I know it sounds like, ooh, that's going to pack a lot of punch. But they slice them really thin, so it's just kind of that onion flavor crunch a little bit, but you're not going to be left with terrible breath all day long. I would go with that one. The other thing I would do, Randy, too, now this, this place started on the hill, but it actually moved to Glendale. Well, Vitaly's Bakery, my name, Vitaly Bakery, it's still on the hill. They do the cookies. They do the bread. They're fabulous stuff. They're right by uh, the church over there. But they have a sister shop now that had moved out of the hill. It's now in Glendale. Missouri, which is kind of around the Kirkwood Webster area, and that's called uh, you know Vitali's Vitali's Deli. And Mike Vitali, who is my like second, third uncle, kind of married. We're not really sure, but we're kind of related. But he's a great guy. He's a big he's a big bear, and he's got the most love in the world. And he's got a great little neighborhood shop. And he's really grabbed that community in Glendale, Missouri, and really really made it his own. Uh, incredible personality and incredible, incredible meatball sandwich he does this thing with the sesame bun a big old bun i mean this is like a stick to your bones type of bun and then he gets three meatballs and he shoves these meatballs into this bun but i like the way he does it because my big my, my big bugaboo my big bugaboo with meatball subs i don't like when they're the, the full ball don't put a full ball on my meatball subs because yep. when you go to bite it and it falls all over the place it's a gong show right so what he does is he cuts it in half he lays it pleasantly. He kind of nestles it like a little nooky little nest, like a robin egg, all in that little bread, little canvas of bread. And he slaps a bunch of cheese on top. And I'm telling you what, buddy, you are going to be in absolute heaven. Vitaly's Deli in Glendale is my go-to. Uh, that's where, I, where I'm getting lunch today. I mean, Joey, you said a, cre- a crevice of bread. Say no more. I'm in. <laughs> well, Michelle, the best part about the crevice of bread, you know, you got you to create that canoe. Yeah, you know, you, that's you, right. Sometimes Jimmy, Jimmy John's, they kind of do it, which I like, appreciate Jimmy John's. You create that canoe of dough, so when the bread's made, you kind of scoop it out. The best part is, 
all the all the fixings stay inside. But then, but then you can like kind of snack with the the inside of the bread while you're making the sandwich. So it's a I call that a win. We call that a win win, Michelle, in the sports world. That is like a it's like a bread taco almost, Joey. It's like a bread. Ta- you know what? It's like a bread taco. Okay, I just want to go back just for one moment here before we let you go. So Mike Vitale might be married to somebody you don't know how he's actually related. Listen, when you're yeah. a Vitale, when you're a Paisana, Michelle, you when you have kind of the same last name, everyone's related. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? You know how many people come up to me, Randy, and say, hey, I ran into, you know, um, Joseph B. Vitale. He said he's your cousin. And in my mind, I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. I go, what does he look like? Oh, he's gray. He's like 70 years old. Yeah, he heard you on the radio. He said he's your cousin. He's like, yeah, yeah, he's my uncle. He's like, ah, oh, okay, yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, and Joey, it's always like, oh, is that Joey? No, little Joey's son, Joey. There's always like three, three different lines of the same name. You're like, oh, little Joey's son, Joey. Oh, yes, of course. And, you know, and it goes both ways where, you know, if you're, you're, you're proud of someone, you're obviously related. But then I know I know people in my own family who have cousins that they don't really love. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not related to Michael. No way. No way, Jose. He's not mine. I think he's, I think, I think he's Jersey Vitale. I think he's Jersey Vitale. He's not my Vitale. Get out of here. Forget about it, right? <laughs> oh, you're the best. Hey, thanks for the time. We'll be tuned in. On Sunday, we still don't know the the time of that game. By the way, you and Curbs are doing a fantastic job. This is such a fun listen under trying circumstances. It's not easy to do a game off TV, but you guys are doing a great job. Well, thanks, Randy. I appreciate it, Michelle. You guys have a wonderful weekend. Stay cool, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Looking forward to it. All right, thanks, Joey. Take care. That's our friend Joe Vitale on 101 ESPN. Every time we talk to him, not only do I feel better about Blues hockey, regardless of the situation, and I'm hyped for the game, Mm -hmm. I'm always starving. That's true, yeah. Starving. Yeah. So, and now I learned a little bit about uh, Italian families. Oh yeah, there's Big Joey, Little Joey, and jo- Little Joey's son. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is this is Vinny and Vinny's son, Vinny Junior, and then Vinny Junior has a son named Vinny and a cousin named Vinny. <laughs> there's a lot of repeat names in Italian families. I, I get it. So Vitali's Deli on uh, Sappington. That's where I'm getting lunch today. We've got to go there. We are. We're going. So it's a beautiful thing. Next up, we've got the fight. We've got a returning fighter on 101 oh, yeah. ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Character. Welcome back to Character and Smallman. It's 837. We're a little late getting to the fight. We actually have a returning fighter. Rob is with us. And just as a refresher, yesterday Rob tied Randy and then he was closest to the pin on the tiebreaker question. So he is returning to face Randy for a second time. Rob, good morning. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you riding high on your victory yesterday? Um, it's still kind of surreal. I can't believe it actually happened because, you know, you never hear about Randy losing, you know, it's kind of like Flurry pitching three innings and leaving or something. Um, so, yeah, no, it's exciting. It is very rare, and you should definitely brag about it to your friends because how many times, Scott, has Randy lost since you've taken over? This is the first win that we've had since go. I've been back. Rob, you are the first winner versus oh, Randy. Wow. 
He's not going to hunt me down, is he? No, he's not. He's not. But okay. hey, if you beat him today, then you have a chance to enter the Hall of Fame. So let's get going. Oh, let's yeah. hope yeah. that you're primed for that position. All right, Rob. Question number one. On this day in 2007, Barry Bonds hit his 756th career home run to break to break Hank Aaron's long-standing MLB record. What team were the Giants playing that night? Was it the Washington Nationals, the Los Angeles Dodgers, or the Seattle Mariners? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to guess the Dodgers, because usually this time of year is when they try to line up the Giants and the Dodgers. They try to line up all those rivalry games sort of this time of year. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say the Dodgers. All right, question number two for you, Rob. Michael Porter Jr. is lighting it up in the NBA bubble right now. Unfortunately, he only played in three games with Mizzou. Who was his opponent in the final game at Mizzou, which took place in the NCAA tournament? Was it Florida, Florida State, or Miami? I think it was Florida. because I I think I remember them playing Florida, um, but he played so little, it's hard to remember. (laughs) You'd think, though, if he played so little, Rob, that it might stand out in your mind, right? I know, I know. <laughs> just, just I know, time. I know. Okay, question number three. Last night, Jordan Bennington allowed six goals to the Vegas Golden Knights. There's only one other team he's ever allowed that many goals against in the playoffs. Who was that team? The San Jose Sharks, the Winnipeg Jets, or the Boston Bruins? Uh, hmm. I'm going to say Boston. And question number four for you, Rob. David Ross is currently the manager of the Cubs. When he was a player, how many NL Central teams did he play for during his career? Was it one, two, or three? I'm going to say one, and Cubs suck. That's right. So even if he gets it wrong, does he get a bonus point for saying Cubs suck? Uh, let me look at the rules. <laughs> okay, we're, we'll check that. You're from St. Louis. They give you that with the toasted ravioli when you're born. You're just, hi. Welcome to this world. Cubs suck. That's, you know. that's right. Uh, let's check score here really quickly. Okay. <sighs> Randy has entered. Randy, say hello to Rob again. Hey, Rob. Welcome back. Good to have you with us. Good to have you, sir. You got me thinking about uh, sandwiches on the hill now. Thank there you. we go. Yeah. For, and for us, it's Glendale. It's Vitaly's. But uh, Adriana's on the hill also. I spent a yeah. lot of weekend afternoons at Amagetti's on the hill with my yeah, grandma growing great up. stuff. Yeah, she used to bribe me, like, hey, if you do this, I'll give you a sandwich. I'm uh, like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> I'm easily manipulated with food, Randy. Okay, question number one. On this day in 2007, Barry Bonds hit his 756th career home run to break Hake Aaron's longstanding MLB record. Mm-hmm. What team were the Giants playing that night? They were playing the Washington Nationals. <laughs> question I, was at, number- I was at McGurk's. I was on the patio in McGurk's. Random. Do you remember why you were there? Uh, there? A friend was in town that loves McGurk's. Yeah. And so we were watching the game there. Mike Basic was the pitcher for the Nationals that night. Interesting. I can't tell you if you're correct or not. Sounds similar. Yeah. Uh, question. Go ahead. You knew I was at McGurk's, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> question number two. Michael Porter Jr. is lighting it up in the NBA bubble right now. Unfortunately, he only played in three games with Mizzou. Mm-hmm. Who was his opponent in the final game at Mizzou, which took place in the NCAA tournament? It was in the NCAA tournament. Um, I'll do the lifeline here. Florida, Florida State, or Miami? I believe it Whoa, it was either Florida State or Miami. I think it was Miami that year. Randy, last night Jordan Bennington allowed six goals to the Vegas Golden Knights, mm-hmm. and there's only one other team he's ever allowed that many goals against in the playoffs. Who was that team? Boston. 
And question number four for you, Randy. David Ross is currently the manager of the Cubs. When he was a player, how many NL Central teams did he play for during his career? Okay, he played for the Cubs. I don't believe he played for the Brewers. He may have played for the Pirates. Never played for the Cardinals. I'm thinking two. Okay, we've got a winner. We have a winner and still champion, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. Okay, this was another close one. Nail biter, huh? Randy won one to nothing. Oh, my. Oh, wow. (laughs) Wow, I know. So let's run through these answers here. Okay. Barry Bonds hit his 756 career home run to break Hay Garen's record on this day in 2007, and the Giants were playing the Nationals that night. Randy was watching the game at McGurk's on the on the patio. Michael Porter Jr.'s final game at Mizzou, which took place in the NCAA tournament, was versus Florida State. Florida State, okay. Yeah, he played 28 minutes, uh, yeah. had 16 points. I know. A lot of people, I think, might have just blocked that out. Yeah, it's forgettable. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah. so Jordan Bennington allowed six goals last night to Vegas. The only other team he's allowed that many goals against was the Winnipeg Jets. Hmm. I don't oh, know. Because I think in game three, wasn't he pulled before that, before he could get to that? Because I think you were thinking game yeah, three, he, right, versus Boston? Right, yeah. Would he allow five that, in that game? Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then David Ross has played for three NL Central mm-hmm. teams during his career, Chicago, Cincinnati, and a 40-game stint with the Pirates in 2005. The more mm-hmm. you know. Rob, great effort. Thank you so much for playing. Have a great weekend. You too. All right. Thank you, Rob. Good to have you with us on 101 ESPN. That's the fight coming up. The Cardinals back in action tonight against the Cubs, and we're going to talk to one of the Cardinal broadcasters and a great friend. Mike Claiborne joins us next with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. I've been in this business for a long time, and... uh, the entire time I've been in this business, Mike Claiborne has been a friend. I mean, we, we've literally grew up in this business together, and it's always great to talk to Mike. And the first time he's joined Carriker and Smallman, uh, you can hear Mike on the Cardinal broadcast. And, of course, Mike Claiborne's website, ClaibsOnline.com. He's with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Claibs, great to have you with us. Thanks for taking some time. How you doing? Man, I'm doing great. Michelle, good to visit with you. And you're right, Randy, you and I are... We we may be the last of the Mohegans, man. I'm thinking about it. Uh, I think I started in 81, and you weren't far behind me. And, gosh, we've come a long way, I guess, from that little corner office we used to sit in. <laughs> yeah, we sure have. <laughs> Clibs, do you have a story about you and Randy in the trenches coming up together? You know, I think, I think when you look back at what we were a part of, uh, all the great broadcasters and people that would walk through the building, that uh, we kind of look at each other, and I'm sure he was thinking the same thing I, I was. What the hell am I doing here? <laughs> yep. I mean, because it, it was off-striking. And, you know, most of those guys were really good to us. They were very, very good and professional and, and helped us along the way. Uh, and we worked for the greatest man ever in radio, in Bob Hyland, which we learned so much about. And, and I'm sure Randy remembers those times. If you ever wanted to have a sit-down with Mr. Hyland, you didn't do it during business hours. I mean, he, you had to go in at like one or two in the morning, and he probably was the only guy in town that had on a suit at two o'clock in the morning, and that's when you had a chance to talk to him, and right. that's when you had a chance to 
maybe even ask for a raise. But yeah, we had some <laughs> we had some fun times. Uh, you know, just just growing and, and doing something that we liked was a lot of fun, and, and obviously we still like it. We're still here. Yeah, I don't know if you'll remember this. Uh, we had a you, you talk about great times. Bob Gibson and uh, Klaibs did the post game show during the '85 season, <laughs> and uh, I was the producer. And I'll never forget one night a guy calls in, and it was it was such a fun season. It must have been after a loss, and a guy calls in and says, uh, "Yeah, Mr. Gibson." I'm 26 years old, and I throw 98 miles an hour, and I just want to know, what should I do? How can I get into baseball? And Bob said, in inimitable Bob Gibson style, well, you know what? You're pretty much too old for anybody to take a look at you, so you just throw as hard as you can for as long as you can until your arm falls off. (laughs) Hey, Randy, how about the night the lady called and said, Bob, I just want to tell you, you've given me so many nights of pleasure over the years. I remember that. And I just looked at her and I said, well, you're only supposed to pitch every fourth day. I mean, every fifth day. So what about the other night? Oh, God, we had so much fun back then. And Bob, who I still stay in touch with, was Randy, he was who he was, wasn't he? I mean, he just yep. he said what was on his mind. And, you know, he'd give you that little smirky grin he used to have. But, man, uh, you couldn't have been around a better person. And to me... The, perhaps the greatest validation you could get in the sport is to have Bob Gibson like you and 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 appreciate yeah. you and respect you as a broadcaster because he doesn't suffer fools well. No, he he saved my career uh, because he liked me and, uh, and he liked you and he well he still stays in touch with people Rick Hummel people like that but he he was the best teammate you could ever have and Mike Shannon told so many great stories about when they get into a throwing contest and they wouldn't worry about it because Bob was going to have the last say about it. And and that's the way he was off the field too. And, um, you know, still, as I said, we still stay in touch. He, he makes me laugh more than I can make him laugh these days. He's a beauty. I talked to him the other day. He said, you know, I'm taking these walks and he said, you know, I'm trying to get, not be around a lot of people. That's the way you never like people, so this is perfect for me. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he's something, man. He's something. Well, it was, you know, fun to hear you guys talk about that. I'm sure those were great times, but you know what's not fun, Clay, is being stuck in a hotel room, in a haunted hotel room for six days. And before we look ahead to the Cardinal series, I want to rewind a little bit because I know that you're really plugged in with the team. You talk to members of the organization, to the players. Can you shed some light on us just what those guys endured being stuck in a hotel like that for six days and not being able to get out of your room or get outside at all? Well, I think if it did anything, it motivated them never to go to jail <laughs> for any extended period of time. Uh, you know, just talking to guys and, you know, just the fact that they were just trying to find things to do. I mean, you know, you can only watch so much TV. Um, you know, these guys, you know, it's not like you were going to bring a bunch, bunch of books because you weren't expected to be, you know, A, on the road that long, but B, confined to a room. I mean, and, and the Fister is a nice hotel. I, I kind of call it, a, it, it's kind of a throwback to what the old Chase Park Plaza used to be. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a very traditional in a lot of ways, but, you know, there's only so many things on the menu that you can eat. And I know John Mozeliak talked about it. he made sure he, he missed the meal because you could put on five five pounds, eight pounds easy by sitting around. But, you know, in that situation, and I found that a lot of guys just found different things on TV to watch and 
you know, tried to do some exercising in the room, but you were kind of limited on that as well. But if anything, you, you get to know yourself. You get to know yourself and you've been gone that long. And you, I, I think you also come to appreciate the little things in life. And one of them is just to be able to go out and inhale fresh air. Right. And Curb uh, Claves, that's one of the things that makes this so unpredictable because whether it's an all-star break or even during the break after 9-11, players were able to get out and work out and get their bodies moving. Well, now you spend so much time with your bodies not being active. I don't think anybody has any idea what's going to happen tonight. Yeah, I agree with you, Randy. And, and you know, even doing the the shutdown, you know, there were guys who could go out and throw on the side or maybe find a cage to hit in. They couldn't do anything. And, you know, maybe it gives your, your brain a chance to reset. But, you know, the question I think we, we have is do players overthink things now? You know, there was a time when you didn't have weight rooms and you didn't have therapists, uh, you know, uh, sports therapists and things of that nature. You just go play. Now, you know, you got so many things at your disposal. And I think sometimes guys overthink the most simple thing. So in this case, do guys push the button and say, you know what, I'm going to just let my skill set take over or I'm going to try this now. You know, everybody's got a new swing or everybody's got a new arm spot and everybody's got things they want to do. Man, just go back to doing what got you here. I, I think that's the one thing. I think if players just come out and keep it simple, they should be fine. Now, I think the other concern is don't come out and try and overdo it and get hurt. And I think we've seen some pitchers around baseball that have come into that situation. And I think it was a smart move by Mike Shilton and the Cardinals to, to move Jack Flaherty back where he can actually get into some more baseball-related activities before he pitches again. So, you know, you're right. Whatever we have shows up tonight, you know what, just add it on to 2020. Yeah, right. Things we weren't expecting. That's right. Uh, Clay, is there one facet of this team that you might be more concerned about than the other? Is it the pitchers building up other their... Other than hitting? I was just going to say, you know, <laughs> I, you're worried about pitchers building up their arm strength. You're worried about an offense that you already had question marks about not having seen live pitching in a while. I just was wondering if there was one thing that you were concerned about more than the other. You know, I think I'm concerned about pitchers not overdoing it because they're fragile as it is. But I think I'd, I think the number one thing is is hitting because we didn't see as much of it as we'd hoped for at the start of the season. So that's still probably first and foremost. And, and the question now is, if you're Mike Schilt, how long do you give certain guys before you have to look to plan B? And, and you know, how long does it take before you see where a guy's having good swings, maybe he's hitting in the tough luck, you know, maybe that's the case, but with a guy who just doesn't seem like he's got much of a clue at the plate or just isn't doing what you expect him to do, you know, when do you pull the trigger and go in another direction? And I think the other thing for, for Mike Schilt is he's got some guys that probably need to play. You know, you know, Austin Dean hasn't taken a competitive at bats in, in about three weeks. Right. So, you know, and if you don't have if if he's not going to contribute, then why have him on the team? And you gotta you gotta give them a fair shot, and you got some other guys that you're chomping to see what they can actually do. So, I think it's incumbent upon Mike to stay the course, but also be able to be in a position to do what he does best, and that's be transparent and, and make tough decisions. And I think the toughest one he made last year, and it turned out to be a successful one, was putting Tommy Edmond in the lineup every day and, and having Matt Carpenter 
uh, do things off the bench, even though Matt was hurt at one point. But when he was healthy, Tommy Edmond was still getting all the reps at third. Hey, Mike, before we let you go, there, just like in any walk of life, there are baseball players that like to do their job more than others. And this schedule for some of these guys is going to be really fun. It's going to be like going back to when they were a kid during the summer and literally going out and playing every single day, especially that last part of the season when they have 28 games in 24 days. The guys that love to play are really going to get a kick out of it. Oh, you're right. And, and you know what? They're gonna. They won't look at the calendar. They won't cry. Oh, woe is me! They're doing what they used to do that they enjoy doing, and, and I think I agree with you. I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun to see what guys show up. Now, I think here's the other cool, uh, side of that coin: if you are a team that doesn't have enough guys that are all in, it could be arduous. Yeah. It could be a real difficult situation. So this is where the leaders of teams and even young guys have to stay engaged and, and make sure they continue to talk, make sure everybody's on the same page. Because if you get one or two guys that want to walk off on this thing, then then that thing can become as contagious as the virus itself. Klaibs, great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for taking the time with us. Uh, we'll be this, Go ahead. My treat for sure, this was a hoot for me to talk <laughs> to you and Michelle. You know, Michelle's a good friend that I she and I have a chance to kick it about a, a bunch of things. <laughs> and Randy, you know you're as good of a friend as I've had in this business. So it's great to be able to visit with you guys and let's do it again here soon. We definitely will. And we'll be tuned in tonight. And of course, Claves Online, you're doing great work with the website too. We're having fun. We're just showing up looking. You know my motto, man. Just show up looking to have a good time. Don't worry about anything else. I, I stole that from you, and I do. <laughs> All right, my man. Keep it up. All Keep right, we'll up. talk to you. You guys have a great day. Thanks, Claves. See you later. That is, uh, he is one of the great guys in town and one of my favorites in the business, Mike Claiborne. If you make Bob Gibson laugh, yeah. do you just feel on cloud nine? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't we, even imagine. I can't tell you how much fun we had. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Time for today's big thing on 101 ESPN. The second round of the PGA Championship in San Francisco is underway. Jason Day and Brendan Todd have the lead at five under. Uh, Scott Scheffler, Martin Keimer, Xander Shoffley among those at four under par as they get rolling. And Tiger will tee off later today. And he is two under. He's three shots off the pace. And really, Michelle, one of the best opening rounds, well, the best opening round in a major for Tiger since that 2008 U.S. Open, which was before the knee injuries and before the back injuries and before the scandal. So Tiger comes into today with a chance. Golf is always better with Tiger in the hunt, right, Randy? No doubt about it. And did you get to see uh, Bryson DeChambeau break his driver yesterday? I did see that. And it wasn't out of anger. So they allowed his people to fix it, but the head broke off the shaft. He was it was just kind of placing it on the ground too, yeah. really. Yeah, he was trying to pick up his tee after yeah. after a drive, and he looks down, and the, the head is gone, so the shaft broke. And then after the round, he was very complimentary of the shaft company. He had used the exact same shaft for a year in all those uh, ridiculously long drives. So eventually, that thing it was going to pay the price. But you just think that strength too, leaning on that. Yeah, yeah. He fifty pounds in two years. The guy gained. It's a lot. It is. A lot of protein, Randy. A lot of protein. <laughs> that must be what it is. Definitely protein. <laughs> so you'll be able to uh, watch all of that action throughout the day on ESPN and ESPN Plus on the ESPN app.
you've got a, I love having sports back because you've got wall-to-wall sports that you can watch during the day. Golf, hockey, Cardinal baseball. I would imagine if you're still working from home, there's a lot of background TV action happening. Oh, man. And especially during the golf season, Thursdays and Fridays when you are home and there is golf. I remember when I had my heart surgery and for those three weeks or so that I didn't work, golf on Thursday and Friday, actually the golf channel, I, I that's when I became a, a huge fan of the golf channel. Is golf the best background sport to watch? I think it is, yeah. It's calming. It's not too distracting. Right. It's kind of like the ocean. Yeah. It's kind of like watching mm-hmm. planet Earth. Yeah. Something that is not calming right now is blues hockey. Oh, no. Not at all. 6-4 loss last night to the Golden Knights. And we had Joey Vitale on the show earlier. And he basically told us, please disperse. There's nothing to see here. <laughs> You know what, Randy? I'm tired. This is something that uh, I, I fully expected. I, I didn't think that, that they were going to come into this this playoff around Robin series and and give it everything they got. And I, I don't think you can peak too early. I, I hate using that word and that phrase "peak too early" because what is that? I mean, who really knows? But I, I don't want you thinking that the Blues should be feeling good about their game at this moment. Uh, is it getting a little worrisome? But there's no time to hit the panic button. The reason I look at last night's game as a common anomaly, well, you're losing Robert Thomas. You don't have Vladimir Tarasenko. But how about this one? Ivan Barbashev. That's the one not a lot of people are talking about. We've seen this team without Ivan Barbashev, and, and, and I do believe that he is going to be back for the majority of the first round. He may miss a game here or there, but I think he will be back for the first round. So you get those three players. You insert those three players back in the lineup, I think 5-on-5, five five, it's a completely different outlook. I don't think there's going to be as many penalties in the first round as we saw that. It'll really hurt them. And the, the other good news, I think, is that Jordan Bennington uh, was the number one star on the St. Louis Blue side for me, even though he let up six goals. And that's just crazy to think. But the saves he made early, your goalie's on, you miss some personnel, you still have a week or so before the first game. I think that this kind of game is going to get the Blues' attention. I think Craig Brew is really going to galvanize this group. And I think they're going to kind of have a little wake-up call here. Sunday's going to be a better performance, and they're going to be in full stride come next week. Exactly, Randy. Last night was the wake-up call that maybe the St. Louis Blues needed. Not that they came in with a bad mental approach, but they said pretty publicly, hey, this is uh, not something that we're really caring about. We don't care about the seating. We just need to get our feet wet. We need to find our game. And I think after the first game versus Colorado, it ended in a controversial way. And you could look at that game and say, okay, hey, we need to take a step forward as, as a team here. We need to put that behind us and kind of start to find our game a little bit more. And there there were a few positives from uh, last night, but I think generally the team is going to bed last night being pretty frustrated by their performance. And maybe that's something that they needed, as Joy Vitelli said, to kind of light the spark underneath them, Randy. So would you suggest that at this point, heading into Sunday's game, and we still don't know the time of Sunday's game, that you are calm and relaxed about the Blues? At the start of the game, Yes. Talk to me after the game. <laughs> okay. You know, because if they if they lose, I know Joy Vitale told us earlier in the show, if they go 0-3, he's still not concerned. But I think I might be. If they can pl- See, the thing is, Dallas is 0-2 also. And, yes, I'd like to get... I just want them to play a clean game. I don't want them taking penalties. I want them to tighten up defensively. But if they should lose on a fluke goal, like the Colorado game. If if they lose on a a goal with one-tenth of a second left, I'll feel differently about that loss than I will if they lose the way they did last night. 
Heading into the game yesterday, we talked about what we wanted to see out of this team that would make us rest easy. I said I want them to score early, and I want to see some offense. And you got both of those, and you still didn't feel great. So it's hard to determine really what you will feel good and badly about until it happens. Uh, But I don't know. If if they go 0-3 heading into this thing, I I would just like some momentum. The Blues will play either the Flames or the Wild Canucks winner in their first-round matchup. I was very happy, and it made me feel good that Joey and I feel the same way about Calgary and Arizona, by the way. I was just going to say, when he talked about how nervous he was for Arizona, I looked at you because you've been talking about that for a long time. Yeah, so uh, uh, I, I've said from the beginning, from before this round robin started, if I could pick a team to play in the first round, it would be the Flames. And I don't care if the Flames beat the Jets three games to one. Of all the teams that are remaining, of those 12 that are playing, the team that I prefer to play first because I feel best about the Blues' opportunity to beat them is Calgary. And even if the Blues do lose on Sunday, don't you still have confidence that this team, with the championship caliber that they have and the identity that we know that this team has, their DNA just didn't change over the past couple months. I know that there's a lot of unforeseen circumstances that happen, but I still, even if they go 0-3, will feel confident in this team in that first round. Ken Hitchcock always talked about how regaining your game and regaining intensity is a process. It's not an event. And that's what concerns me. Is there literally a switch there that they can flip to turn on the intensity? Or does it take a few games to or more to get their game back? He, he would talk about how after a bad stretch, they would lose four out of five, and then they'd win three out of four. And he'd say, well, we're still a couple of weeks away. We've got to build up. I hope that they're able to build up quickly, but I don't know if they can. It's... It, I think that we look at it as an easier task than it really is. And Hitch was always very honest about it. You're talking about from a physical and mental standpoint? Yes, yeah. I also doesn't... It's, it's breaking bad habits. We know how hard it is to break bad habits. Sure. But I also don't think it helps matters when your approach heading into this wasn't, hey, let's go firing out of the gates. Let's take a gradual approach. And organizationally, it was, hey, let's take it easy here. No injuries. And right. I understood it. I, underst- I do understand it. Yeah. It's... But now... Eh. That was always Jeff Fisher's approach during training camp. Let's take it easy. Let's come out with no injuries. Then they'd start off one and three, and he'd have to petition the league to cancel the first quarter of the season. Then they'd have a beer and say, okay, well, let's only play the last 12 games. Seven and nine. the worst. The worst. Remember when they had those giveaways at Rams games of the Jeff Fisher mustache? Yeah. That might have been the most entertaining thing during his entire tenure. Yeah. That was his very first game. <laughs> I, I had one for a long time. I wound up throwing it away. Actually, I think it was during the quarantine period when I was cleaning out the house. And I had like two or three of them in packages still, but I got rid of them because I hate him so much. You should have put those on eBay. I bet somebody would have bought it as a joke. Nobody. Nobody would have. No chance. Jeff Fisher? Come on. He's kind of got this cult status to him now. <laughs> There's an entire day named after him. Yeah, that's true. July there is. 9th is Jeff Fisher Day. We, you don't think that there would have been somebody purchasing those fake mustaches to celebrate Jeff Fisher Day? Uh, maybe. By the way, a lot of people think tomorrow is Jeff Fisher Day. It's really not. He didn't go 8-8 eight eight enough for tomorrow to be Jeff Fisher Day. 7-9 is absolutely Jeff Fisher Day because of 7-9 BS. I was just going to say, after that quote from Hard Knocks, there's yeah. no debate. It's 7-9. Right. Yeah, he he embraced it. So if he's going to, we're going to. Do you think that he genuinely thinks that he's going to get another head coaching gig in the league? Yeah, I think he might be deluded enough to believe that. Do you think a team would ever give him a shot? No. He's in his 60s now. 
He's 62, 63 years old. He doesn't understand offense. And uh, I, I think he probably, for those owners that care about how their fans feel, probably delivers a bad connotation. Oh, if we hire this guy, our team is moving. Do you think many owners do care what the fans think? Maybe some. See, I, I think that if it wasn't for that quote on Hard Knocks and the continued kind of glorification of his mediocre coaching mm-hmm. tenure, that a team might have given, given him another chance. Yeah. He's got a lot of buddies in the league. Went well, to a Super Bowl. You could, you could have spun that, I think, before that if you wanted to. But I think if you look at the Rams, I mean, the guy, the guy would... He would end practice early on Friday so that he could go hunting. If they know around the league what we know here in St. Louis, he appeared to me early on to be a guy that was one of doing one of two things, and probably both. He was preparing a team to move, and he was cashing a paycheck. Yep. He, and the big thing is, if you watched his teams play, you know that he doesn't understand offense. Anything that happened after Mike Martz, he doesn't understand. Do you remember when it was kind of the bidding war for Jeff Fisher? Yeah, us and the Dolphins. Stephen Ross was flying him around on a helicopter on South Beach, and we were thinking, man, there is no way he's going to pick the Rams. After that that performance out there, he's definitely going to Miami. And how hype everybody was when he chose St. Louis. Yep. Little did we know. But here's (laughs) you you want the good news about that? Is there any? Okay, There is. Shoot. If Fisher would have taken the Miami job, did I ever tell you who the Rams were going to hire as their head coach? No, who? Greg Schiano. Wow. Greg Schiano was going to be the guy that they hired if Fisher didn't take the job. Ooh, that could have been. Wow. It would have been really ugly. Can you imagine going from Spags to Schiano? Oh, man. <laughs> we thought things were right. tight at Rams Park then. <laughs> yeah, that would have been bad news. Wow. That's today's big thing. Uh, and that came from Kevin Demoff. I, I said, hey, if. Uh, oh, well, so then, so then you know it's a lie. Yeah, exactly. So then who are they really going to hire, <laughs> yeah. Randy? Yeah. But uh, no, I, I said, right after you hired Fish, I said, what if he would have gone to Miami? He said, yeah, we would have hired Shiano. We, we had, had him lined up. So. Wow. That's who it would have been. Good uh, times. Good times. Yeah. Next up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, this is always fun. It's time for... You're killing me, Small. All right, All right, Michelle, what do we got? Randy, we know that Ozzie Guillen, former Major League Manager, mm-hmm. not a guy that ever held back his opinion, right? Never. Never. So you would think that if he is doing media work, that he's certainly going to take that same approach, mm-hmm. right? Well, he was on NBC Sports in Chicago after the White Sox-Brewers game, and he was asked about players he disliked. They asked him, who do you dislike more, Carlos Gomez or Nick Swisher? And here's what Ozzie Guillen had to say. Oh, oh my God. Nick, nobody can compare that with Nick Swisher. I, I, I hate Nick Swisher with my heart. <laughs> really? Yes. Okay. You want to get into that a little more or no? No, not really, but I think you hit me back. That's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But yeah. I, can't, I can't. You guys just didn't get along. Didn't didn't work out. No, no, I know. I, I I never talked to him. I was managing him, but I don't like the way his attitude was all fake. Yeah, and I don't like fake people. All right, so he was only in with the White Sox for one year, and then he moved on. It was one year too long. <laughs> He's in with his whole heart. Managed him. Didn't talk to him. Mm-hmm. One year too long. That is telling it like it is. That's a guy that is 
he's figured out, A, that he's not going to manage anymore, and B, he's telling us things that we want to hear. He's taking us behind the curtain so that we can know what a real clubhouse is like. I love that. But can you imagine being a manager and you think a player has a bad attitude or they're fake and you genuinely hate them and you don't want them to be on your club, but you have to exist with them for the year that they're there? Yeah, that would be awful. But most managers, I think, would pretend at least. Yeah. Or right. try to smooth yeah. the waters. Yeah. Ozzy Gian's like, no, I hate you, and you I hate, hate me back. <laughs> with my heart. When the Yankees brought him in in 2009, they had a, what was considered a really corporate clubhouse. Everybody would come in with their briefcases and their Wall Street journals and stuff like that. And they brought in Swisher because they thought that he would lighten the mood. And he did. He played games. But... Same thing. Everybody figured him out very quickly. So even though he was kind of the goofball and was really given a lot of credit for the attitude of the team in 2009, nobody could stand him, and they got rid of him right away. Wow. Is there any coach or manager that you would love to give give truth serum to and be like, all right, who's the guy that you hated on this team? Tony was pretty open, so I think I'd probably probably go with... uh, this is good. I would go with Tori because Tori had so many big ego stars. That's a really good one. I, I think I would go with him. You know, Tony once called uh, Ruben Sierra the village idiot. It was great. <laughs> and also, we know the way that he outed Colby Rasmus. Yeah. Publicly. And then in the book, we saw uh, the, the Carrie Robinson line, which was scathing. I, I were paraphrasing, but it was something like he said, he, hey, I deserve to play more. And he said, okay, well, then you go and ask for a trade. And if you get to a team and you play more, I hope we play you all yeah. the time. Yeah, I, I hope you get traded in our division. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Can you imagine if your manager said that to you? Oh, man. What a burn. Totally. That's a sick burn. <laughs> I don't even think I would have a comeback. I don't think there is one. No, that's as good as it gets for a manager. Like, Okay. Not only do I not think you deserve playing time, I would love to play against you. Yeah. That's how bad I think you, you are. Put, put your head down, turn around, walk out. Okay, okay. You win. <laughs> I'll just go sit on the bench. Thanks. <laughs> Be down here if you need me. You're killing me, Smalls. All right, Randy, a little gift for you on this Friday. Oh, thanks. Some news coming out of the soccer world, Randy. There's been some cuts at Arsenal. Oh. Stan Kroenke, a guy worth billions and billions of dollars, Randy, announces that Arsenal had 55 layoffs spread around their marketing, hospitality, and player recruitment departments, things that are certainly going to impact the quality of their club. But the big headline is, is that this is going to save Kroenke and co. and Arsenal no more than $3 million. Unbelievable. And... Again, he's worth billions. But the big kicker here is that they're essentially trying to spin it by saying that these layoffs by removing these people, including, again, people from their recruitment, is going to help Arsenal with their team. It's going to help them financially with their team. Sure. Three million bucks. Yeah, that'll be no problem at all. You know what? Here's a guy that just spent $5 billion on a stadium that he can't sell tickets for. He is he is in a tunnel looking at that $3 billion St. Louis lawsuit train coming down the tracks. And yeah, he wants to save every penny he can. Fine. Wouldn't it be terrible to be the, a fan of a team that he has would be the worst? So a friend of mine that's really into soccer and plugged into the soccer world was like, I know that you and St. Louis, you guys hate Stan Kroenke. I think Arsenal hates him more. That's impossible. They hate him. I think the only thing worse, as you just said, than having him rip your team out would be having him manage your team. Yeah, right. 
That's why I brought up the fact that his dream purchase, when all of this started, when he when he was considered normal, his dream purchase was the St. Louis Cardinals. Fortunately, he never got his paws on them. I can't even think of that. What he yeah. would have done to that would franchise. Have been awful. Here's a guy that's named after Ian Slaughter and Stan Musial. He 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 is a cardinal guy. He thinks he's a cardinal guy. He is not a cardinal. Would guy. have been the worst. That's why. It's horrible to call him Stan. It really is. Because you couldn't be more polar opposite of what Stan Musial was than what Stan Kroenke or Enos Kroenke or whatever. If you want to add a P to one of those names, uh, what he is. The devil. Yeah. You're killing me, Small. Okay, Randy, there was um, some debate yesterday, some anger, really, in the Phillies-Yankees game. So there's been a group of fans that have kind of congregated outside the stadium in Philly. They're called the Pandemic Crew, (laughs) PH, and they're making a lot of noise. They've got horns. They're really making themselves known. (laughs) Well, (laughs) let's just say that Aaron Boone didn't really like that. He went and was talking to the umpires about that. He says that the horn was disrupting the, quote, golf environment that people had (laughs) in the stadium and that it was too distracting. That is so awesome. And they in Philadelphia do the best job of having fan clubs. By the way, Yankee Stadium does too uh, with the the judges' chambers. But I remember like when Randy Wolf pitched in Philly, they had the Wolf Pack and they had Padilla's Flotilla. They've had some fantastic fan clubs there. So I'm not surprised that Philly fans did it. And And I'm incredibly proud of them. And hey, baseball shouldn't be a golf environment. And if you've got fans that are that passionate, that they're outside your gates making noise. Baseball should be absolutely thrilled with that. I couldn't agree more. I'm thinking, what? It's a it's a horn. Come down. Yep. You know what this place should be like right now? I I don't know. I just thought if you're trying to defend the golf environment, we're taking a step back here. We should be like, hey, respect to the horn and the pandemic yep. crew out there. Let's get some more people socially distanced, of course, wearing a mask mm-hmm. safely. But I think that's awesome that people are so dedicated that they want to stand outside Citizens Bank, Citizens Bank Park to cheer on their team in any way that they yeah, can. That's fantastic. And by the way, if you're a Yankee, if you're a Yankee player and you can't ha- handle an environment with a little bit of noise and a little bit of hostility, then you don't have what it takes to be a Yankee. Yeah, good luck. And by the way, the Cardinals are going to start doing cutouts. Next week, we have to both wear ESPN shirts, and I will send in our pictures so that we can have character and Smallman with our 101 ESPN shirts to be cutouts at the ballpark. I need to get one. I'm sure we've got one. I'm, I was going to say, so, I, I think I know somebody sh- that can hook me up. Should we be wearing Cardinal caps? Hmm. With our 101 ESPN t-shirts? Well, if we do so, we just have to make sure the lighting's okay. Yeah. So that right. we're not casting any sort of shadow. That's a good point. Okay, we'll do it. I say no caps. I say we okay. go straight 101 ESPN. Okay, good. You're killing me, Smalls. Thank you very much. That was great. You got it, Randy. It was awesome as always. That's your killing me, Smalls. On 101 ESPN. Next up, the Cubbies have the best record in the majors. Are they the best team in the majors, though? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle, the Cardinals will play their sixth game of the season tonight against the Cubs. They're two and three. Chicago comes in with a record of 10 and three. And I'll tell you what, you have to, first of all, I I respected the Cubs 
with the provision that they were able to stay healthy. Because I do think their top 25 players are as good as anybody's, and they have five really good starting pitchers. problem with them is that they don't have six pitchers that are really capable of being high-quality Major League guys. So if, if they lose a couple of starters like the Cardinals have, I think they've got real issues. However, all of that being said, the Twins and the Cubs share the best record in baseball right now at 10-3. and three. Do I think the Cubs are the best team in baseball? No. Do I think they're the best team in the National League? No. But I do think that they are a threat if they can stay healthy. I think the Dodgers are better. I think the Yankees are better. And both of those teams are better built to withstand injuries and both actually have withstood injuries so far than the Cubs are. Do you think you've seen enough about the Cubs already this season for you to feel confident saying, hey, they're going to take the NL Central? Yeah, I think they, I think this division's over. Yeah. If they play 500 the rest of the way, they'll be a 34-win team. The Cardinals would have to go nine over to get to 34 wins. Right now, they, they played five. They have 55 games left. And to get to 34, obviously, uh, they would have to win 31 of their remaining 55, go 31 and 24. I think that would be prohibitive for the Cardinals. I think that would be a really hard thing to do. And I do think the Cubs are eminently capable, because they're playing the same teams as the Cardinals are, of playing even better than 500. When you look at the fact that they get to see the Pirates a bunch, they get to see the Tigers a bunch, It's uh, they get to see the Royals uh, a lot. Uh, and by the way, they have played the, the Tigers or the Pirates and the Royals so far. But I, I just think that they are really set up well, health allowing them to roll with this division and run away with it. I was really surprised to see them get torched by the Royals yesterday. 13 to 2, Chatwood got lit up. Yeah, he's the one guy in that rotation that's capable of getting lit up on a regular basis. Uh, Quintana is what he is. He's not great, but he's okay. You Darvish is off to a pretty good start. And then you have Lester and Kyle Hendricks, who's an all-star. You've got some really good starting pitching there. The one weak link, and Chatwood has the stuff. He's got the ability. He was always, when he was with the Rockies, he was always a really good road pitcher. I always wanted the Cardinals to get him because I thought, man, you get him out of Coors Field, he'll be something. But he has not been with the Cubs. But if they get to a scenario where they've got days off and they can avoid starting Chatwood, they'll be a pretty tough team to beat. And there's a lot of... And Alec Mills, by the way, has been great, too. I should point that out. There's a lot of uncertainty surrounding the Cardinals in their return tonight, Randy. And it's it's a pretty tough hand that they're getting dealt. Not only their rivals, but their red-hot rivals in the Cubs this weekend. Yeah, and, and it's not just the the pitching either that we're talking about, uh, they're scoring a bunch of runs. They're scoring more runs than any, anybody else in the National League. And again, if they stay healthy, I don't think that that's going to stop. They're just, they're that good. And they were always capable of it. They were capable of it last year. But I think they're a looser group under David Ross than they were last year. I think everybody knew that Madden was on his last legs, and he wasn't going to last there. And as much as he tried to make it loose, maybe those veteran players had kind of tired of his game of bringing in the the zoo and the magicians and all of that. The that DJs. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, maybe they had just grown tired of it, and maybe they needed a guy that they felt was, for their sake, more pliable. And they, they had clubhouse issues as well. They had real major clubhouse chemistry issues last year. And it seems like now... 
at, at least looking from afar, that maybe there's a breath of fresh air there. It's hard to think that any clubhouse could be looser than a Joe Madden clubhouse, though, right. right? But I think once you get to that point in what the Cubs were dealing with in that environment, it you there's a standoff, right? It's either Joe Madden and that we need a new leader, we need a new voice in the clubhouse, or it's the players aren't good enough. And yeah. so if you're the players and you see that that's what the front office and ownership is saying, yeah, I'm going to defend myself and say, yeah, maybe the messaging has gotten a little stale, even if it's not Joe Madden's fault. Yeah. If the Cubs were to play the Dodgers in a playoff series, who would you like? Dodgers. I think I would, too. Uh, if the Cubs were to play, I, I don't think anybody in the East now, with the departures from Washington, specifically Rendon, and maybe Scherzer is hurt now with yeah. the injuries to the Braves starting pitching, I don't think there's a team in the East where I would say, okay, if the Cubs are healthy, they can't compete with them. So... I really think that the Dodgers are the one team that you look at, and hey, we're homers here, but if the Cardinals would get healthy and pitch like they're capable of pitching, then maybe they could sneak away with a series against the Cubs. I wouldn't predict that, but... I think because of their pitching, they're one of the few teams in the National League that's capable of handling Chicago. Yeah, the pitching I'm not concerned about, Randy. It's the offense or right. lack thereof. And that's why I say you'd have, you'd have to sneak away with, <laughs> if you win a best of seven with them or a best of five, you're going to have to win the games two to one and one to nothing. How concerned are you about the offense heading into this weekend series? Totally concerned, yeah. I'm very concerned, too. <laughs> I don't, I have empathy for Mike Schilt. Because I don't know who he plugs in as the number four hitter. I would put in Tyler O'Neill, but I would guess that from a career standpoint, if you look at Tyler O'Neill, and this is has nothing to do with what he might be in the future, but based on what he's done in his first couple of years, Tyler O'Neill's got to be in the bottom quartile of, if you have him as your number four hitter, of number four hitters in Major League Baseball. Yeah, you're going to be feeling the absence of Paul DeYoung and, of course, Yadier yeah. Molina as well. And that's why I say I'm concerned about the offense, but I also am not super concerned because my expectations are so low Expectations for this should be low. Right. The other interesting question is, who would you plug in as DH? Because Edmund will play short, Marp will play third. So do you go with Lane Thomas as your DH tonight? I'm concerned, and I know this is a weird concern to have, and they did bring up Max Schrock. So if Edmund would get hurt in the third inning and Brad Miller is your DH, and I don't know if it matters that you lose your DH, but here's the thing. If Edmund gets hurt and you have to move Miller from DH to shortstop, then you lose your designated hitter for the rest of the game, and the pitcher has to hit. So do you? would you rather have a real backup shortstop and have Miller uh, not DH, or would you rather just take your chances on Ed, Edmund staying completely healthy? I think I would rather see Lane Thomas get that call, wouldn't you? Yeah, and especially against Lester tonight. And maybe you plug Brad Miller in there against right-handed pitching and just take your chances and say, okay, if Edmund gets hurt, for the rest of this game, I can play Schrock for right. six innings at, at shortstop, and then tomorrow I'll start Miller, and he'll become my shortstop. Yeah, those are all things that you're going going to have to weigh, but one thing that they've consistently said is they want to focus on evaluation of these guys, and, right. and so whether it's at DH or whatever, I want to see if, if that's what you're going to do, and you truly want to evaluate Lane Thomas, then get him in there. Would you prefer to beat Andy away Andrew Kisner over Weeders? You know what Weeders is. 
I know. So I was thinking about this. And yes, I, I would like to see Andrew Kisner get the call and really just see what he's capable of. I think it benefits not only him to get that time, but the organization to know what they have in him. Um, but maybe in this first game with Weeders as that veteran presence, that I don't necessarily mind it tonight. And with Ponce de Leon on the mound. Exactly. I agree. But I do think over the course of the time that Yachty is out, whether it's 10 days or 15, I would like to see for half of those games, Andrew Kisner get a chance behind the plate. Absolutely. Because you know, once this starts back up and Yachty's healthy and available, that he, he's in every game. Yeah. And Weeders even said, if we would have played the regular 60 without COVID, he said Yachty would have played all 60. He knew it. He, he knew it. Exactly. <laughs> so this is your opportunity to see what you have in him. Cards and Cubs tonight. Danny Mack will have the call on Fox Sports Midwest, 630 pregame, 7 o'clock with the first pitch. And the one and only, the great Dan McLaughlin will join us next as we cross things over to Scoops with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. One of our best friends and one of our favorite people is Dan McLaughlin. He's got scoops with Danny Mac coming up. And uh, we all gravitate towards people who have juice, right, Michelle? Always. So, Dan, here's our question. Michelle and I are going to send in pictures to have cutouts at the ballpark. I have no juice on this one. I've already been asked by the Riz Show. I have no juice. You can't get us shown? Just give me the check. Okay, we can do that. See? <laughs> I'll try my best. I, I got no juice on this, man. Everybody's asking me about this, too. I got no juice. We don't even need to be right behind home plate. As long as we can get on TV with our 101 ESPN t-shirt. I right. could try, um, but I don't, I don't think I have juice for this, man. Okay. I'll try my best, <laughs> I though. know that there's a lot of people asking. I if have. If the is asking you, then... Yeah. It's it's crazy. I people want these cutouts. They they want the cutouts. <laughs> yeah. They really do. I guess this is becoming the new thing. This is the big fad. It's great. So it's, yeah. Did the ratio ask you? I don't know if they told you. Do they want their own pictures or is it other pictures that they're going to submit? Because that seems like something they would try to pull off. Well, I'd be scared of what kind of pictures they want to submit. Yeah. Number exactly. one, exactly. They didn't go down that road, but you bring up a very valid point. What kind of <laughs> pictures they'd want? Um, they didn't say the exact pictures they want, so you're right. Um, but no, they wanted some type of picture. I don't know what the picture would be, so that's a valid point. Um, and I said, I have no juice, but give me the blank check, and I'll try to make it happen. So I, I, that's all I can do. I trust you guys more than the Riz yeah, Show. Yeah, we're just wearing 101 ESPN shirts. A so. clean shirt of some sort and a clean picture. Um, but I'm not sure how they're doing. I, I don't know. Are the I have not done enough research on this. So they're going to do it behind home plate, all over the place. We what? don't have details yet. All all the Cardinals say on their Twitter page is that coming soon. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I'm 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 sure I'll find out more at the ballpark today when I get down there. But I have not. Yeah been told exactly how it's going to work. And we have we don't need it complimentary. We'll pay for whatever if it goes if the <laughs> money goes to Cardinals cutouts. care. Yeah. But uh, as long as we get on TV we're good, right? Okay. Absolutely. And uh, you know what? I'll buy a third in fact, I'll buy four if you can get me a picture of Doug and we'll get Doug we'll get Doug the dog. Doug and Darby. Okay. And we'll have the the two dogs and Louie. We'll get we'll do five no, of Louis them. Louie doesn't need to be there. Okay. So we'll, we'll own <laughs> Perina dog day. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Right. Cool. So we'll do, yeah, we'll get Doug the dog and get Darby Shaw on there. I was watching the Cubs last night and uh I they had cutouts at Kauffman Stadium and they had the interactive uh virtual fans. They had a little bit of both oh, really? going. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. What do you guys like the virtual fans at all? I prefer the cutouts. I actually do too. 
I think if they're going to have the virtual fans, they have to be there for the whole game. They can't yeah. just come and go. And that's what happened with the first Fox game, well, the Washington and New York game last week, was they were there kind of sometimes, but not all the time. So it, one of the things, Jorge Soler hit a home run. So imagine you're watching the game. Mm-hmm. And so is the camera angle from behind the pitcher. There's cutouts. So he hits the home run. And then the ball, the camera follows the ball. And down the left field line, he hits it in the, the, the stands and left. Their virtual fans are going, you know, kind of, it was neat. You know, they kind of, they really did a good job of, of following the ball. And as the ball was kind of going towards, say, the middle of the outfield, then towards the track and now at the wall and the fans are rising as the ball was getting there. I mean, it looked That's like cool. it was really cool. Looked like how you would see it with a normal home run. So he hits the home run. And then the camera follows Solaire getting to second base. So then they, you see Solaire go there. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out how they cut it. So then they went to, I would say, Solaire going from rounding second to third. And so you saw some of the virtual fans in the stands, maybe uh, along the first baseline. And then they cut him rounding third base mm-hmm. to home. And there was empty seats. Oh. Yeah. And I was like, eh, okay. I went from cutouts to the excitement of fans, hear the crowd, and then uh, nobody. Blue seats. I, I don't know. I, 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 I kind of get into it. I kind of don't. I, I, I think I do prefer the, uh, the cutouts because I don't know. I, I, I'm really, t- I don't know how to put this. I, I don't want to be fooled into what I know, which is the feeling of what a ballpark is, which is hot dogs, popcorn, Cracker Jack, soda, and the crowd. Just give me the cutouts. Give me the fake crowd. I'm okay with that because I need to have a little atmosphere. But the feeling of the gathering of the fans, eh, I... You're not we're gonna not be able. To, you can't replicate that. You can't, and we're not there. We know it. Uh, I don't know. I maybe I'm wrong about it, but that's just nope. kind of how I feel. I agree with you 100. percent Yeah, I think the cutouts too, because you have that tight shot. Yeah, the cutouts are just kind of white noise in the background. Exactly, it's just more of an aesthetic thing for you on that tight shot, which is the majority of the visual experience on the yes. broadcast. So yeah, if there's a home run and you you have the camera shot of the player rounding the bases, I don't expect to see fake fans there because I know that they're not there. And I don't mind how. I really actually prefer how hockey has done it by covering I agree. the fake, uh, or not the fake, but the <laughs> empty, <laughs> they're not fake, uh, the empty seats. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. Um, I think the Yankees have done that too at Yankee Stadium where they've covered the behind the seats mm-hmm. or behind home place there. The seat there. I kind of like having it covered. Now, if they're not going to put cutouts, I kind of like seeing a uniform look to that. I don't mind that. So... I don't know. I I guess it's everybody's personal preference. But you like the one at Wrigley Field on the left field line? <laughs> There's the Bartman. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Did they have that at Wrigley or was that in Arizona? Somebody put that in yeah. one of the stadiums. Oh, I, I don't think it was at Wrigley. No, it was at C- Seattle and Oakland. Yeah, yeah. that's what it was. Okay. That's that great. poor guy. Just let him live. Just let him live. Oh, come on, they're trolling the Cubs. Oh, no, at this point, live. you're trolling him. Yeah, let him live. You, you watched Catching Hell, yeah. the ESPN 30 for Terrible. 30. Let him live. It was so sad it what is. the city of Chicago did to him. I agree. I let him live. 
He had Come to change on. his name. He he essentially wouldn't even use credit cards because he didn't want people to see his name. So when you were at ESPN, how many times did you guys try to find him and interview him or do something to... I, I know there was an investigative reporter that yeah. actually found him. I can't remember the reporter's name. He's very good, a writer. Um was it TJ Quinn? No, it wasn't TJ. It was, it was. I say an investigative reporter, but I guess he he had an assignment to go find him and do a story yeah. on him and found him. Right, and did found yeah. him in a parking lot at a, a place that he was working. That's right, um, Wayne Drays. That's it. Does a great job. Um, and I, I he and he basically was interviewed about it and said, you know, this is my assignment. I'm told to go find you. I have found you, and and I think he essentially, I'm paraphrasing, but he said he was kind of uncomfortable doing it. You know, and it's kind of what we're talking about, yeah. like, let him live. Like, let him go. It's over. Yeah, this is a guy that could have clearly capitalized on this in one way, shape, or form and was so, for lack of a better term, traumatized by what happened that he didn't even want to be involved with the Cubs or speak about it. No, until he got the World Series ring. I think he rejected it, did he not? He, he didn't go back to it. He's never been back to Wrigley. No. He still has not been back. And he still lives in Chicago, is that yeah, correct? I yeah, I believe so, yeah. at least from the documentary. Yeah. And after they won in 2016, you would think that that would put to rest all that stuff. Yeah, he, he did receive a 2016 World Championship ring. If Alou doesn't react in the way that he did, then it's probably over. At that time, I would think. Right. With his reaction and how he... If he's yeah. not yelling at the stands. Right, yeah. and slamming his glove and that right. kind of thing. I Don't think then, baby. then it's over. <laughs> then, you, then it's just not that big a deal. Yeah. And it's then it's over. And unfortunately, it's not that big a deal anymore since they won. Yeah. Now they come to town tonight. They're rolling. Didn't play well last night. Watched the game. Uh, got beat up early on. And thanks, Matheny. Uh, yeah, Mike <laughs> yeah. Matheny's uh, fighting Royals. Put one on him, and we'll see John Lester tonight. By the way, Patrick and I were putting together an all former Cardinal current team. Pretty Trevor good. Rosenthal. Ooh. Trevor yeah, Rosenthal's back. Yes, he is throwing strikes. Yeah, uh, he found it again. Good for him. I, I'll be interested with the Royals if they decide in the short season. If you're a good team out there and you need bullpen help, you could flip him and probably get something. Right. Um, Rosenthal would be a guy. Um, although they may want to build around him and re-sign him and bring him back. Who knows? Yeah, and, and he's from there, right? And he loves Mike. So yeah, that'd be a good pairing. And I, he still lives here, right? Yeah, non-pressurized situation. Yeah, you know you. You bring him back and give him a, a decent deal, and, and he's obviously got plenty in the tank. He's hitting triple digits. He he threw in the game, the exhibition game against the Cardinals, and looked awesome. Yeah. I mean, he was throwing hard. The ball was jumping out of his hand. It looked like typical Trevor Rosenthal. Right. So, um, But again, if you're rebuilding, and they've got some young arms coming. I mean, they, their system is pretty good. I think there's a couple of guys that they drafted last year that are in the yes. rotation right now. Yes, they've got good arms coming. Yeah. I mean, they're they're not far away. But if you're a team that is looking at this season and saying, hey, we, we need bullpen help, for instance, i.e. the Cubs, mm-hmm. that's a guy you go get. Craig Kimbrell is awful. Yeah, Rowan Wick is their closer. Did you see him last night? No. Awful. Wow. Um, there's a stat on him that... He's given up more runs and has uh, a stat line this year already that matches all the, the the runs that he gave up in like 2013 or 12. Wow. Kimbrell. Well, and statistically, when the Cubs got him last year, statistically speaking, he was the best reliever in the history of the game. He's the second. I think he's in Behind year, Mariano, maybe? Yeah. He's in year two of a $43 million yeah, deal. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing that when Theo built that team, 
and it's and it's if you look at their everyday lineup, it's really good, mm-hmm. and it's rolling. I mean, they've they've been producing, and their pitching. I mean, if you look at a sixty game season right now, their pitching's been pretty good. Yeah, their starters, but their bullpen is going to I, maybe you can get away with it for sixty games, and who knows what happens in postseason play? And they should go to postseason play with their kind of start. But if 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 you look at what he has done and a guy that's built up what they did in Boston and what they're doing with the Chicago Cubs, he just has not been able to develop pitching right through all this this run. And he deserves a ton of credit. I mean, he built it up and and signed the right guys, but for whatever reason, they just have not developed pitching. And even going back to the World Series team, and you look now, none of their starters no. have come from their organization. No, I mean. None. I mean, they signed John Lester. He's in the final year of that deal. Quintana. Uh, is he going to be back, by the way? Which Can, one? Uh, Jose Quintana, is he? Uh, he's coming back. Yeah, okay. he should be, I think, within the next seven days. Okay. Yeah, he should be back. Um, but that that would be my concern for Hendricks them, though. Hendricks was like the Cole Hamels trade, right? Or Correct. Well, he was a trade. I don't remember which trade it was, but uh, they got Hendricks in a trade. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, and then Alec Mills had bounced Correct. around before they got him. Chatwood was a free agent yeah. signing, so yeah, I mean they, they've got they got to think about their bullpen. But their man, their 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 lineup is is rolling. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. What do we have coming up on scoops? Well, talk hockey, talk baseball, Blues hockey. You know, hey, baseball's back. I, I I don't know. I'm fascinated what happens tonight. I I am too because as we talked about earlier with Claves, it's. Completely Predictable. There's, it is. There, really there's is. no way to project what's. I, if if I were gambling with my FanDuel fantasy app, and I do all the time, there's no way I would do, gamble on tonight's game. If you were, mm-hmm. which way would you go? I would go with John Lester. Well, yeah, I think you'd probably have to, yeah. but you have no idea. You really don't. You really don't. But. No. Would you have predicted Don Mattingly to come out of the shoot and the Marlins to do what they're doing? <laughs> You'd have thought you're crazy. Yeah, and look at what amazing. they're doing. Yeah, so it, it is. It's pretty cool. You we're, guys have a great weekend, and we're looking forward to uh, watching you and hearing you tonight on the Cardinal broadcast and throughout the weekend. Yeah, we'll be back uh, back at it uh, this weekend. That is Dan McLaughlin. He is coming up with scoops with Danny Mack here on 101 ESPN. Thanks to our producer engineer, the one and only Scott Manziara. Thanks, Randy. Have a good weekend. Have fun looking for an apartment. Thank you. Oh, and, man, apartment, huh? Yeah. yeah. Going apartment hunting today. Yeah. Good for you. Have a good time. Michelle, this was awesome. You have a great weekend, too. Thanks, Randy. You have a great weekend as well. And thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. For all of us, until Monday morning at 7, have a great weekend, St. Louis. That was the Character and Smallman Podcast on 101 ESPN.